August 16, 2019. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Gina Bocola here with you on a Friday as I'm recording this. It's a Pacific Classic weekend over at Del Mar, so we're going to do a full dive into that Del Mar card. I'm not going to be able to do the every single horse in every single race because if I did, I think this would end up being like a four hour show. <laughs> but I'm going to get through some my thoughts on all 10 of the races. I'll spend some more time on certain races than I will with others. I think there's one race in the mix that I don't really like at all. And actually, I'm going to talk a little Saratoga. We'll have a Saratoga late pick five. Uh, sequence to talk about races seven on, and on at Saratoga on Saturday. So get your past performances out. We're going to talk Del Mar Saturday, Saratoga Saturday, August the seventeenth. Also going to talk. Beverly Hills nine oh two and zero episode two recap. We have a interview an interview with Brian Monzo from WFAN producer and Darren Zocali. An hour-long interview where we go through everything WWE, Saratoga Saturday We hit on the Mets, we hit on the Yankees A little bit of everything So make sure to tune in uh, a little bit later on For that awesome interview And uh, That's that's the layout of the show So skip around if you like Hi everyone That's what G Said Podcast Host Gino Bacola here And you hear a lot on my show about Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, but I realized you've never met her. So I wanted to introduce you to Cindy Carava here. We're over at Coldwell Banker. And Cindy, what made you want to get into real estate? Uh, well, actually, Jack and I have bought and sold a lot of homes over the years, and we really like uh, being able to take a home and redoing it, almost flipping it. Uh, we've had a lot of fun over the years doing it, so it really sparked my interest in wanting to actually get my license and do it for a living. So what services do you offer? Um, I help everybody with either purchasing their homes um, or getting their homes ready to be put on the market. And I also do leases, whether you're looking uh, for a tenant or you're also uh, you know, looking to rent out your property, I do that as well. And where can we find more information about you? Um, I am on social media, Facebook and Instagram, but you also can find me on my website, which is cindycarava.com. Um, or you can call me, my phone number is 626-394-6400. Or you can email me at cindyc.realtor at gmail.com. Thank you, Gino. One brief thing I wanted to hit on before we get into uh, the specific segments. Real bummer for DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, he injured uh, himself again, a torn ACL. Now he will likely miss the entire season. And obviously I'm a Laker fan, so I'm I'm bummed for, for the Lakers. But really bummed for, for Cousins because I've always liked him as a player. He's always, I think, got kind of a bad rap because he complains to the referees a little bit, but he's not a bad guy. He's never done anything wrong. His teammates all really seem to like him, and he's been really a good guy in the community. And now he has another injury after uh, this is like his third major, major injury now. He only played 48 games in, t- in 2017 with the Pelicans. And remember, he was playing really, really well alongside Anthony Davis. And then last year with the Warriors, he only played 30 games. He started to get back into it. He got hurt. He came back for the playoffs and, and got hurt again. I think this guy really wants to win, and he, I, I'm just I feel really really bad for him because he he probably lost in the last couple of years now uh, over a hundred million dollars at least. He was due for a max contract in, in 2017 um, before he got hurt. So real bummer for Demarcus Cousins because whether or not you like a team, right? Like I, 
I don't like certain teams, but I want to beat those teams at their best. And I never root for teams or players that get injured. That's always just a bummer. Uh, and 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 with the Lakers in particular this year, you know, it wasn't like they were paying Demarcus Cousins twenty million dollars. This was a, a three point five million dollar deal, where it was kind of a uh, it was a good value deal for the Lakers. They were hoping that you know Demarcus Cousins. Would be able to kind of get back to some level of the player that he was He was in great shape, he lost a bunch of weight And unfortunately he gets hurt before the season So now we'll see what the Lakers do Do they fill in immediately and go get uh, One of the remaining big men that are out there To be a backup big man Do they wait for a while, see if they can get someone in a buyout like, A little earlier in the uh, on in the season We'll see, we'll see what they do uh, What's nice is obviously he was not necessarily someone you were planning on playing 35 minutes as a starter in a in a huge role. They were hoping that he could maybe get there, but he was more of a, a total wild card that could that could possibly vault your team to the next level. So this is not a good a good start for the Lakers, obviously, when you have a, a player that you were hoping to be a big part of your team gets hurt. But I don't think that I think hoping is the key word. I don't know how much they were gonna be counting on him. They were maybe Hoping that he could get back to where he was So we'll see what happens now with the, with the Lakers moving forward Let's jump right into some horse racing discussion Let's go to Saturday, Saratoga We're going to go to race number 7 at Saratoga on Saturday You can play late pick 5 starting here Any uh, the other you know, rolling exotic wagers 6.5 furlongs, this is a maiden special weight for 2 year olds And... Start with the one coast uh, coast basis. Damn, this one was a uh, three for twenty one. Earned one hundred five thousand. A couple siblings. They were both 0-4 This is a Chad Brown one. Chad Brown and Javi teaming up. But I don't really like this one. Who comes in from Monmouth Park? Just an okay work tab. You get the rail draw and six and a half furlongs, which won't be easy. But you know, Chad Brown since the start of July, twenty three first time starters, six wins, four seconds, and five thirds. And actually, all of them. Those winners were 5-2 to two or over So these have been the horses That haven't necessarily been getting hit hard at the windows The two Eagles Palace I'm going to give a, a big look to in here This is a second timer For Bill Mott His debut You know it doesn't look great if you just look at the running line But he was mid-pack He got shuffled back a little bit And he was back to last on the inside He angled out and, and he was able to kind of Pass some tired horses late Finished 5th in the field of 10 And it was just the debut I expect him to get a lot better with that race under his belt He's going to jump up and improve Will it be good enough to win? I don't know But see these courses improve a lot Second time out for Mott Let's give Eagles Palace uh, A big look in here The 3 American Butterfly Was mid-pack Was squeezed back And couldn't rebid in the debut for, for Lucas I think you know he's like Eagles Palace He should improve but I don't know if he'll improve quite enough And I like the race that Eagles Palace ran Much better They actually come out of that same race on July the 21st The four is a first time starter Candy Tycoon for Pletcher Who hasn't you know, really had a very good meet He's at lots of seconds and thirds Just hitting around 13% The dam of this one Was unraced Four siblings, three winners For Candy Tycoon And with first time starters, a little bit cold as of late Four for their last 23 Pletcher I'm going to side against Candy Tycoon in here As far as like the late sequences Are concerned 
can't use all the short price contenders in each race, right? We think in some of the following races, some of the short price contenders look look like they'll be tough to beat. So we'll go against Candy Tycoon in here. Who I don't even know if I the money will sh- obviously a lot of times matters in races like this, but I don't even know if he'll go off favored. I do think Irish Mia's will probably go off favored. The five unprecedented Dama of this one was two for seven, won the debut going four and a half furlongs, and then we know. His pops Bayern won his debut going seven furlongs. This is the first full. This barn is not great with first time starters. They're just six for their last eighty three and zero for their last seventeen. But they did win with a first time starter last year at Saratoga in September. And I think there's a little ability here with unprecedented. I I'm gonna have him in some of the exotics. Irish Mia's looks like the one to beat in here. Blinkers on for Graham Motion. This one makes his second start It was in a race that got taken off the grass in, in the debut And he completely blew the start He was 10 lengths off He stayed to the inside And he and then he, he started to settle And he started to roll He angled out 4 wide He closed very well in the stretch And a big gallop out Now adds the blinkers Irish Mia's Going to be really really tough in here Just that a repeat of that same race Would, would win this Accession Missed the break, he was 15 lengths off of it And he just never really got involved That was just in the career debut So like a couple others in here who were well beaten He has plenty of room to improve I just need to see a little more Before I'm going to uh, include accession in some of the exotics The 8 African Heritage Two-year-old son of Cairo Prince The dam was 0 for 1 Three siblings, two winners though for African Heritage And this barn... Is 0 for their last uh, 0 for 73 with first time starters Over the last 5 year sample Rounding out the field is Feisty Bird For trainer Ian Wilkes This barn is just 15 for their last 278 with first time starters That's 5% And they're just 2 for their last 20 But those wins have been at big prices It's 17 to 1 and 20 to 1 They generally pop when they ever pop with first time starters And I, it's hard to play When the numbers are so low Unless you find one that really looks great And and Feisty Bird just kind of looks okay on paper That's why I really think Irish Mia is, is going to be tough in here You have a Chad Brown from the rail Going six and a half furlongs who just looks okay You have a, a Pletcher First time starter for a barn Who hasn't really been firing on all cylinders With their firsters as of late And then the rest of the field Irish Mia has run the best race by far And the most experienced And I generally want a horse who has a race Under their belt going six and a half furlongs It's just not an easy Distance to debut at It's not like deb- debuting at 5.5 or 6 Once you get to 6.5 from 7 It's a little bit different 6.25 In race number 7 at Saratoga I would play some exotics Where I single the 6 Irish Mias I'd also play another backup ticket Where I use the 2 Eagles Palace The 5 Unprecedented I'd use them in, uh, in Exactas Let's get to race number 8 Saratoga The Smart and Fancy Start the one fire key Who The main Concern for her Is the rail Four of these Exit that Caress race On July the 21st Where fire key Was second She broke well But she ended Up pushed back A bit to fifth She moved up nicely Three deep At the top of the lane But she was never able To get to the 29 to 1 shot Loose on the lead Winner Momino Fire key Could win this race I I just like A couple others More in here I think the rail Is is really going to Make it Tough on her She's going to be forced either 
more forward than she wants or forced farther back than she wants. And if she ends up in between, you get the shuffle and then you just don't really get to show your best. That's the kind of trip I, I'm I'm envisioning here for Fire Key. The two too much tip. Okay. Um if you go back to the June seventh race was one of three the yeah, the June race at Laurel Going five and a half on the turf Win behind Minute to Stardom it Was one of three next out winners that day And Minute to Stardom won the grade two honorable miss Next out at Saratoga Then on July the 6th Too much tip broke towards the back But easily moved up on the outside Had the lead at the top of the lane It was a, it was a good win, really nice win I think this mare has a long shot chance To sneak into some of the exotics I'm going to use her in A late pick four, late pick five If you play that and I will also include in the bottom of exotics. I have her picked third in here. She won't be the the top horse, but I'll be using her in lots of spots at a price. If Lady Ladies Island and Legendary they're in, entered for main track only, so um, if they get in the race, this whole race and the complexion will be completely different because it won't be on the grass. And and you always I always look to. The main track only horses And they'll both probably look very tough And Ladies Island will be really really tough Obviously, The 5 Is Morticia And she's the one to beat On the grass Overall she's 20 for 23 In the money in her career Um And her debut on the dirt She was 6th So she's 20 for 22 in her grass races since then And the 2 races she didn't hit the board She finished 4th she is as consistent as they come She's a 9 time winner with 6 seconds and 5 thirds She has speed But she can sit just off She's a very very solid Turf sprinter Last time out she broke with the leaders She took back a length She was a close up 4th, 5th But then she got stuck in behind horses She never got out with the chance Once she got a little bit of room late She was able to stick her neck out And, for, and it was a dead heat for 3rd But she's the, the most logical winner and the horse to beat In this field But like in all these turf sprints Trip is really key You get shuffled back a little bit Going five and a half furlongs And that could be the difference between winning and fourth So, But with her running style She generally puts herself In a really good spot Even the fact that she had the trouble last time out The six is Miss Gossip And If you just look at her, her starts for the new barn They just have not been very good even before that she wasn't great in stakes races Or when she had to, to deal with the likes of Morticia or Fire Key So she just seems a little bit overmatched in here I'm going to make the 7 Alexandra my slight top selection Just based on price But I do think the se- uh, Alexandra and Morticia uh, Will be two horses that I've included in all of the exotics Alexandra If you go back and, and look at her entire Resume since coming here into the US She has two bad races One of them was going a mile Not relevant to this sprint race And the other poor race Was a race that was Really not that bad Only beaten three lengths And it was a race that was followed by a a few months off So you can excuse that There's some sort of an issue She's shown up in every other race Last out she broke well But so did everyone else So she got squeezed back uh, into a out of a uh, squeeze back, she was in a tight spot. Then she was four wide at the back of the pack. She angled out six wide in the stretch. Just a really consistent mare, who's 
going to be right there on the wire. Oleksandra, I'll make my top selection here. I have seven, five, two. The outside two Broadway run. She adds the blinkers, but she has to turn the tables on Firekey and Morticia. She's 0 for her last six, but her last win was at Saratoga last year, going five and a half on the grass. So you see that as a positive. Ruby Notion was behind Alessandra Alexandra last time out. Did take a lot of money in that Royal uh, North Grade 2 Need to see more though from Ruby Notion who is actually last year's Caress winner at Saratoga So does have some Success over this turf course 752 if the race remains On the grass we'll make a win wager on Alexandra if she is around 3-1 to one, and Morticia Looks like the, the horse to beat we won't be Really chucking her out of the, the Exotics the two too much tip Let's try to get her into the mix in exactas and tries with the seven and the five, and then maybe we can spice things up a little bit there. Race nine at Saratoga. This is the Grade Two Lake Placid Mile and a sixteenth on the turf course for three-year-old fillies. The one Varenka for Graham Motion. Javi Castellano is aboard. She is multiple graded stakes placed. She won an allowance race, a first level allowance last time out. She broke out a bit. She worked her way up into a nice two deep spot. Uh, she was seventh, eighth. She was six, seven lengths off She waited patiently into the top of the stretch She angled out widest of all With a sustained stretch battle She almost got forced Four or five wide into the first turn And she tucked in early on It was a good ride And it was a move that probably helped her win the race And she is in a great spot She's in good hands She should save all the ground again The only problem I have with this race Is there's not a ton of speed and she might be a little bit Too far back and she could be late Onto the scene so I've picked her third Based on the way this race Might sh- shape up there's just not a lot Of speed in here The two Amandrea She broke well in her last start She sat third she was three off she moved Too deep then she was three deep at the top Of the lane she took the lead Briefly but she ended up second best This is Probably a little too tough Of a a spot for her to win But if you're looking for a horse to hit the board What's nice about Amandrea is She's shown a, a little bit more Positional speed in her last couple starts And this race doesn't have a ton of speed They get a little aggressive with her She might be able to hang around For a slice at a price Vow to recover Broke on top but settled off Then got stuck inside behind horses Was bottled up inside with nowhere to go All that being said I still don't know even if she won that last race Does that mean she's good enough To compete with the best in here I see her as just a cut below The four blowout I'm against She was in a field of three Last time out She got the easiest lead You could ever possibly imagine No excuses if she finished second It was the field of three of Chad Brown Now her two back Win was pretty good She defeated Seek and Destroy who was a grade 3 winner next out But I just don't know if she's going to get Any situation where she gets a lead easier than that But you look on paper again She should be cruising on the lead in this field But that was a field of 3 Where she was able to slow things down Get a length and a half lead And still couldn't hold off Regal Glory Who is in here again So I, it would be tough for me to go back to blowout When Regal Glory was able to to get her right on the money And then you feel like with just a slightly bigger field That there will be a little bit more pace signed on 
Regal Glory sat three off the th- uh, third of the three, was three deep into the turn, took back to you know two three lengths off, angled up, got the lead, and worked a bit to hold the W, but got the better of the blowout who had uh, who had that advantage. I think Regal Glory is the the one to beat in here, but the one to bet is right next door. Feel glorious. Feel Glorious, you go back to her May the 18th race. She settled inside. She was six. She was just three three off. She was behind horses. She waited to go. She waited, moved to the rail. It was a solid second, and she was a clear-cut second. She probably should have won that day. And that might that would have been her third win in a row since coming into the U.S. She was a fine second. Most recently, on June the 22nd, she took back to fourth of five. She was five off. She was in the two paths, so she was losing ground. She was off in a race that was just a really slow pace up front. Blowout won that race when just kind of sitting really close and nobody moved a, a ton in that in that one. She also was crossed over on a bit by the uh, one of her rivals who had the outside momentum. So feel glorious will be the top selection. I don't think she has to be as far as Varenka. I'm going to give her another shot in here. So I'll have Fear Glorious on top of Regal Glory on top of Varenka. Those are the three for me. We'll take a shot against Blowout. The seven Wildlife, zero knocks for her. She's also cross entered at, uh, at Del Mar. She was away slowly. She was last. She started the move. And. Around the half mile point She was widest of all She was 6 plus deep at the top of the lane And she just made a huge sustained move right on by It was a super impressive victory For her second straight win To make her 2 for 2 on the grass Deep closer That's the only issue with using her in this spot How far back early is she going to have to be? 6-5-1 Feel Glorious Who I think was taken back In her last start And I think it was a small It was a small field they grabbed a hold, didn't get the best trip when one of her rivals was coming from the back, crossed over, give Feel Glorious another shot, Regal Glory the one to beat. Varenka, if she saves all the ground and gets a little bit of pace to run at, she'll be tough. 6-5-1 in the Lake Placid, race number 9. 10th race, the grade 1, Alabama. And I think Chad Brown has you know, perhaps the two best 3-year-old Phillies right now. If if Dunbar Road wins the Alabama, we'll probably say that with Guarana and with uh, with Dunbar Road. Three for four. Lone loss came in the Gulfstream Park Oaks. Most recently, we saw Dunbar Road win the Mother Goose. She was close up inside. She wanted to go early, but she settled pretty nicely in fourth, a uh, length and a half off. A rival snuck through her inside and actually shuffled Dunbar Road back a little bit. She. Was in between horses She was actually last Waiting for room Got a nice opening She was last but she was only a couple lengths off Got a nice opening She moved three wide and in between It was an easy win when she eventually got that room So that's a nice grade two winner Dunbar Road And she'll take a ton of money in here The two lady Apple She's a multiple graded stakes winner This is a good A pretty quality Alabama field Even though this year's group of three-year-old fillies has gotten some knocks for not being the strongest. You have Dunbar Road, who's a grade two winner. You have Lady Apple, who's a multiple graded stakes winner. 
Champagne Anyone is a grade 2 winner Street Band is a multiple graded stakes winner Eulalie is multiple graded stakes placed Point of Honor is a grade 2 winner Off Topic is multiple graded stakes placed Not a bad field at all Lady Apple's last start, she was forwardly placed She ended up second, she was in the two path She was a length off and she moved to the lead early in the stretch She had to work through the stretch though To uh, put away and to keep Eulalie put away So if you look at Eulalie I think she can just be used as a pace factor Because she got to the lead She was able to clear off in a really small field She tried hard all the way There was a no excuses second I just don't know why Eulalie will be able to hold off Lady Apple in this field Where there's a couple others who will probably show some speed Going longer When Eulalie couldn't do that Going a mile and a 16th at Prairie Meadows Fleet Destiny Looks a bit overmatched in here I like Champagne Anyone if you'll notice, Champagne Anyone beat Dunbar Road and Point of Honor in a really similar type spot in the Gulfstream Park Oaks on March the 30th. Now, wasn't the similar as far as the distance is concerned. Obviously, that was a mile and 16th and at Gulfstream. This is a mile and a quarter at Saratoga. But what was similar is that the two horses that were getting all of the attention were Dunbar Road and Point of Honor. And that will likely be the case in here again today. If you look back at Champagne Anyone's most recent start in the CCA Oaks, she lost to Guarana, who's three for three, and she tried to press Guarana early. She sat second, she moved up, and she was right on terms with Guarana. And then Guarana spurted clear a little bit, and Champagne Anyone dropped back a length. Then Champagne Anyone came up on a on Guarana again, right before the top of the lane, was in between horses, made a big bold move. Was right on the lead with all three horses across the track But then when Garana was asked for a run She faded immediately She took two big shots at a really nice filly She tried to run with her all the way And just couldn't She has some quality The concern I have for Champagne anyone Is the mile and a quarter going to be her best distance I don't know She could get a very nice trip If she has some speed She could you know, Sit second or third in here Maybe not be quite as pressing Guarana like she was last time out. And she can maybe be a little bit more relaxed. Grade two winner, Champagne, anyone going to be my top selection in a horse? I'll make a win wager on if we get over six to one. Street Band, multiple graded stakes winner. She won the uh, Indiana Oaks last time out. And you could probably toss her Kentucky Oaks. I, I would not talk you off her. I just don't. I don't like her as much as I, I, I like the others But I, I wouldn't talk you off her Because she should offer a, at least a decent price At around If she's in anything around 8 to 10 to 1 That's where she, she should be Mentioned you Laylee Who I can just see as an under horse With the, the speed No, like She's a nice filly I just don't think she's going to get The type of trip she would need to win in this race Because she got the type of trip she needed to win Last time out And she still couldn't hold off Lady Apple She'll have to improve on Lady Apple, Point of Honor, and Off Topic Point of Honor She's really done very little wrong in her career Right, she's a grade 2 winner Last time out she took back But she kept wide into the turn She waited at the back of the pack in fifth But she was just 3-4 to off She angled outside She was 4 wide, she closed well But she was a clear-cut second behind Guarana She outfinished Off Topic and Champagne anyone Logically, you think that a little more distance should not be a problem for Point of Honor. She's going to be tough. 
She will be coming late. She will be launching that late rally. I think if you're looking for like a, a price to include in the in the race, a horse who might get forgotten about a little bit is the eight off topic. If she's around ten to one, throw her in some of your exotics. She's a total grinder, and the distance won't be an issue for her. She can keep going, running and running and running. I just don't know if she has enough of a a turn of foot or if she's quite quick enough. To win a race like this But if some of the other fillies don't want to go this far she can, She'll can she keep going The problem with a, a filly like her though She can't get stopped and started again She has to kind of keep, have her motor running for a while And build it up And then just keep chugging, chugging, chugging all the way through The nine is Kelly's Cross First time on the dirt The dam was unraced This lone, uh, the lone sib won on the grass or, Wait, wait the, Yeah, the lone sib was a, a turf winner So First time on the dirt with not a lot of turf success, or with excuse me, with not a lot of dirt success in the breeding. I'm gonna be just treating her like a total wild card. I play this race four champagne anyone with the seven point of honor with the one Dunbar Road with the eight off topic four seven one eight. Then the eleventh race to close things out. I just like one horse, and so if you play uh, uh, any exotics. I will be singling the five more mischief who will likely be the favorite or I guess battling for favoritism. I, I, I'd expect her to go go off favored. She was mid-pack in her last start. She was four off. She was fifth six. She kept to the inside. She tra- uh, tried to angle around uh, in the stretch. It was a good third. Two starts back. She lost to a horse named Kept True who came back to win an optional 62 to non 2 next out And Kid is Frosty Won back to back $150,000 New York bread stakes So she comes out of some decent races I think she fits well Because uh, I just couldn't find Anyone else in here that I really loved And so I think she might be, just be an okay thing in a, in a mediocre New York bread First level allowance race That'll be the, the way I end some of the exotics there With the single of the number 5 More mischief Second after short break Really only making her third start of the season She should be set for her absolute best Little stretch out the seven furlongs More mischief That's Saratoga Saturday for you Let's get on over to Del Mar Saturday Get your past performances out for Del Mar Let's talk Race number one So I'll kind of pick and choose At Del Mar I won't go through every horse in every race But some of the races I'll, I'll, I'll dive all the way through the first race, optional 62, non 2 mile on the dirt. The one major cabbie came into the Peter Miller barn and just crushed last time out. He had a good start. He sat a really close up second. He angled to the two path and he never looked like a loser. And I think he sits and saves all the ground in here because there looks like there's a, a pretty good amount of speed for a small field. The two California journey doesn't look like. He is one of those speeds though He got a perfect trip sitting in third Two lengths behind two who are battling And he went right by them And then held off a late challenge and kicked clear At Losal last out So just from the way the race shapes up on paper If he sits like that He should be at least picking up some pieces late The three tool fog Adds the blinks And he Only has a few dirt races one of them was really good The Bertrando two starts back When just beaten and nose at low sal The concern I have is He has a little speed He got a really good trip 
Just kind of get involved He was sitting right in the mix that day And I don't know With Paladar and Fari What kind of trip Tool Fog will be able to work out in here Because Paladar is, is pretty quick And he actually can sit a little bit In his last start at Churchill Downs He broke well but he couldn't get to the lead So he actually sat third, fourth He was within two, he was in the clear He moved up Right onto terms with the leader Before tiring Now you get a cutback, you have a horse who has some speed Or who can sit You come over here in Southern California You pick up Pratt Plenty of things to like about Paladar Who Has the speed And then Fowry Who has won two in a row Has looked like a completely different animal Since coming into the John Sadler barn The July 6th race He beat Four next out winners The second place finisher came back to win a 12-5 The fourth place finisher came back to win a 20 Beaten allowance, a beaten claimer The sixth place finisher come back to win a 20 Claimer, and then the eighth place finisher Won a 16 on 2 at Del Mar So Fari has What I like about Fari when you look at him He's Connections have thought highly of him He's been entered in graded stakes races multiple times He's just had some issues right? We see he had a long layoff from March of 2017 to May of 2018 And, and then Right when he, he won And he was entered against grade 3 company He was again off the bench Again sent to the bench from November to Mar- uh, November 2018 to March of 2019 So he's had some issues for A 5 year old But horses like this who have always Maybe had a little bit of back class And have faced tough company he He's interesting Because maybe it took a little while to get him figured out Maybe now He's starting to become the the horse That he was always meant to be And maybe he's starting to be that Forrest John Sadler Maybe they fixed something He broke well He was back to second for just a moment But then they got aggressive He took the lead back and he opened up by 6 To win at Los Alamitos Talented, had some issues But when he's at the top of his game He's really good And he's tough to exclude in here The only reason why I don't have him on top Is because I think that Paladar and Fari Will probably End up battling it out with each other Early on and even uh, Route 66 On the outside Route 66 drew the rail Was in a tight spot on the inside Didn't seem to love it and now goes from the inside to the outside She, uh, He has a lot more speed than he showed Last time out he could be pressing And be right on the front end too and he comes out of some races that were okay You know, he lost a draft pick Draft picks in the Pacific Classic El Huerfano Won an allowance race next out And then went up to Emerald Downs The way I have this race on paper I just think the one major cabbie Will sit the trip, save the ground I don't think he's as fast as Fari, Paladar, or Route 66 And he should probably be in front of or, say, or right next to saving ground with California Journey. So, Major Cabby with, you know, Tool Fog, Blinkers on speed, gonna be really close also. And then Paladar, Fari, really big speed players. And then Route 66, who's gonna go inside to outside. And he's going to wanna show speed again because all of his best races have been right when he's on the lead. Feels like Major Cabby's going to get a great setup, saving ground. From the rail one five four six is the way that I'll have race number one pegged with Major Cabby on top and possibly a horse to single right off the bat in some of the uh, in the pick five. The two 
uh, race number two, <laughs> the two race number two. Maidens, Phillies, two-year-olds, a $150,000 claimer. This is basically a maiden special weight. The one Lucia's design, the dam was a four-time winner, four for 23, earned 113000 She produced four fulls, so four siblings for Lucia's design, all of them winners. The only problem I have is that this barn is not really a barn that cranks their horses to win first time out. And you can see the work pattern. There's at least a work missing in there between July and August. Barn just won for their tw- uh, between July 19th and August the 7th. Barn just won for their last 28 over the last five years with first time starters and O for the last 15. So I will watch this Philly second and third time back. Big fan of Craig Lewis, just not first time out. Well done, Sally. Ran really good race in her debut. She was three deep. She showed speed, but she couldn't cross over and put away the other speed. So she briefly had the lead. She was a clear cut second that day. That was not a bad effort at all. And everybody else, we assume with the first time starters, they'll come out running. We know we're going to get a good, we know well done Sally can give us a good effort. So if, you know, some of these first time starters don't come out running, she's going to be right on the lead again, most likely. Seahawk Lisa is the three. Dan was on race. Is the first full for Seahawk Girl. And Jerry Hollendorfer, three for the last 16 with first time starters. Very capable. She looks okay in here. I wouldn't really talk you off her, but I'm not completely sold or high on her. I do like the four Samurai Charm. I think this is, uh, look, this has a look of a very live two year old Philly first time starter for Peter Miller. The dam was unraced. But she's dropped six fools, so six siblings that have raced for Samurai Charm. All of them are multiple winners, including uh, Backseat Roll, who earned three hundred one thousand. It was a five and was five for thirteen in a multiple stakes winner. Peter Miller's been awesome with the first time starters at the meet, and he just had been having a really good meeting. And like anything with the capable first time starter, he's going to to win more races than not. She looks very live. She's training really well. Uh, over this racetrack at Del Mar With your permission First time starter Two year old daughter of Take Charge Indy The dam Brucey was unraced But she has dropped three foals All winners A half to Majestic Slew Who is 8 for 39 307,000 multiple graded stakes play So there's a little pedigree there for with your permission The barn has won with five of their last 21 first time starters But th- those were all up at Emerald So we'll have to see and, and kind of make these connections prove it Down here In a, what looks like a decent little maiden Special weight race But I wouldn't be Completely against with your permission It's just I, I want to see a little bit more Paid informant Goes out for a barn that is not great With first time starters but a really good barn overall Richard Baltus Just 12 for their last 166 with firsters But 3 for their last 15 they did win at this meet with Savvy Girl at 5-1 to one, And this particular filly does draw Flavian Pratt But the dam was 0-4 for 4. Six siblings for paid informant Four of them were winners She's another that just is in the mix It's why price I guess will matter a lot in this race Because it looks like there are four or five That I have that are logical And they might all be right around the same price KP Whirlwind, two-year-old filly First-time starter, dam was 1-4 for four. Three of the four sibs won just seven for the last 89 with first time starters, though, Jeff Mullins. But four first time starters at the meet, 
One win, two seconds, and a fourth So as of late, they've been a little bit better Orquidis Biz Rounds things out Mike Smith jumps on The second time starter for Jeff Mullins Who debuted at Ellis Park Was an okay start from the rail But she was stuck inside and wanted to get outside She forced her way out And she kind of caused a bump chain reaction She seems to have a little bit of ability And at least has the race under her belt Gets off the rail Which she did not seem to like Goes inside to outside I have Samurai Charm on top The four with the eight In second with the two well done Sally third with the six paid in form at fourth So formful In race number two But I think those are the the horses that look Like the most likely winners And With your permission would maybe be the next horse If I was going to use or, or look for a, a price a pricier horse in race number two Won't spend a ton of time on the third race It's the green flash The grade three You will see the two time Breeders Cup Turf Sprint champion Stormy Liberal Making his return He's probably not at his best though in here Undrafted is a very well Traveled individual And and then you have Eddie Haskell who's just in really Nice form right now and I think he's the one to beat He loves his turf course, he loves to win He can sit just off, he can show some speed If need be I think he ends up sitting in here because Calixman's pretty quick And Mr. Vargas is also pretty quick So Eddie Haskell and Stormy, and Stormy Liberal Probably end up right behind And I think Eddie Haskell is just The more likely of the winners With the, the recent races And with the races under his belt He's probably just going to be a little bit sharper And a little bit better late than Stormy Liberal Who he also got the better of back in February So if you're playing an early pick 5 Maybe this is the race to single I, I don't think you can play both Stormy Liberal And the uh, You can't play both Stormy Liberal, Liberal And uh, Eddie Haskell and double your tickets up when they're the two chalks You have to pick one of the two Or maybe if you're going to use another price horse That's fine with one of them But I would never play the two of them Because the payout would be similar But your ticket you're just doubling up It's just not a smart wager So pick one of the two, single them Or if you like someone else and you want to include them with that But I think that Eddie Haskell Is the single in the early pick five Fourth race I'm not even going to talk at all I just do not like this race So if you're playing an early pick five sequence and you uh, and you have a strong opinion. Best of luck. I'll help you with some of the other races throughout. But I'm I would probably just buy this race in the uh, in the pick five sequence because I I started to dig into it a little bit and I just I, I didn't love it. Fifth race is maidens three year olds and up mile on the turf course. I will just talk about the the few that I like in in this spot. I think you can get this race wrapped up with seven and twelve. And it's a big field A lot of people will probably be spreading out But I I think those are the two horses That you need In the pick five here Success and surpasses the seven He had a slow start He was three deep He moved up to within just a few lengths before tiring It was a nice middle move up into contention It was a good first start in the US I'm expecting big improvement out of that That was his first start in the US That was his first start for Baltus That was his first start since April that was his first start on the grass Now he also picks up John Velasquez I think succeed and surpass Should be used on all your exotics And then Mo Forza Who He was just clearly second best Last time out He ran a winning type race 
And I think with the outside, he's going to have to be a little more forwardly placed to keep from getting hooked wide. And so he should be in the mix throughout. Nothing crazy, nothing sexy about race number five, but I, I do like the seven succeed and surpass. If you get nine to two, make a win wager, and then use the seven and the twelve in your uh, in your exotics if you're playing that early pick five. Sixth race, made in special weight, two year old, six furlongs. The one tis a magician was fourth to five, was four off, was too deep, kept to the outside, was a nice second in his career debut. The only problem now, he draws the rail again in a sprint, which won't be easy. The two, smooth like straight. The dam was one for three, earned 38,000. One of the two sibs was a winner. His barn with first time starters is eight for their last 77 and, and two for their last 18. Capable with the right one. And you do get Pratt to jump aboard. The three is Honor AP, who I'm going to make my top selection. Mike Smith jumps on for Sheriffs. This barn is only five for their last 50 with first time starters, but break it down smaller, they're two for their last seven. They can win with the right one. This guy is bred well. The dam was a four time winner and earned a, over a million. Multiple grade one winner, Hollywood Story. She's produced seven foals, and six of them have been winners so far. Good blood, good pedigree. I think a sneaky work on August the 3rd that hints that Honor AP has some ability. I'm going to make him my top selection in here. The four Royal Thunder wouldn't talk you off this first time starter who has some really good works. I was going to say sneaky. What's sneaky about fastest of 53 with a bullet on August the 2nd and a bullet on the 25th of July, fastest of 57? Nothing sneaky about that, Gino. The dam of Royal Thunder was a five time winner, earned 145,000. The lone sib to race for Royal Thunder was a two for 10. And this barn is one with two of their last five first time starters, really good with limited numbers. Yakteen, Yakteen is a really good barn. I, anytime I look up, I expect horses to improve and just they get the best out of their runners. Hydrogen is the Baffert first time starter in here. You expect this guy to take some money. The dam was just one for 14, though. Five siblings, three multiple winners. Not necessarily like a monster pedigree. Baffert is 90 for his last 319 with first time starters when you break that down. And when you really think about that, that is unbelievable. He's two for eight at the meet. He had wins with eight rings and immediate impact, who won impressively as first time starters. We'll see if Hydrogen is the next. Impressive Baffert Furster Ginobili The Spurs great Gino Beely His career debut He broke fine He ran up on the heels a a little bit though And he was kind of behind horses So he was a little bit green He needs to take a nice step forward He did get action that day at Los Alamitos though for Baltus And this barn does better with horses After a start or two Braun You Game of Thrones fans Here's Braun Takes the blinkers off after flashing some speed in the debut. He actually got the lead, but he wasn't able to cross over. When you get the lead and you still have someone down to the inside that's that's pestering you, that's a, the difference between winning and losing. And Braun battled with Disco Ball. They ended up dueling each other. I thought Braun ran really well to only be beaten the length. He has big speed. He lost to a horse named Collusion Illusion, who came back to win the grade two pal next out. Let's give Braun a big look in here With the speed, with the experience 
Fredericktown broke on top. He pressed from the two path. He got the lead for a second and then he tired. He ended up finishing last of five for DeSormo. The brothers DeSormo come right back with this one though and could have that second out improvement. The problem is, is he's going to have to deal with some speed right next to him in Braun. Special day, the nine. Hollendorfer first time starter We gave you some of the numbers for Hollendorfer earlier on The the dam of this one is 2 for 15 The lone sib, just 1 for 15 And then Tyshawn To round things out First timer for Richard Baltus, dam won her first Two starts, she was 9 for 26 and earned 377,000, so some precocity With the, the dam of this one Twirling candy was also very good Nice little pedigree For Tyshawn, but you have a Outside draw in a big field and for a barn who's not always known for cranking their first time starters. I thought this was a fun race to handicap because you can make lots of cases in here. I have the three honor AP on top of the five, hydrogen on top of the seven, brawn with the four, royal thunder. I wouldn't talk you off using the one, tis a magician, or the two, smooth, like straight. The 6th, Ginobili, has a little experience. And, and the 8 with the race under the belt. And then you have first-time starters for Hollendorfer or Boltis, the outside. This is a wide-open group. We'll put the 3 on top, 3-5-7-4. Can't use them all, 3-5-7-4. If you wanted to go at one more deep or looking for another one, I would include the 1 after that. Race number 7 at Del Mar. Let's get to the Del Mar Handicap. You you look at Oscar Dominguez from the inside. He I was not really a fan of the strength of the San Juan Capistrano. I think he's more of like an upper tier allowance horse and a fine horse at that. But you look, he's gonna have to turn the tables on some of his common rivals, Marquis Water and Acclimate. The Deuce Ritzy AP. I could see him as an underneath horse to use with some speed. Some of his better races come when he's able to flash some speed or just kind of get in a good spot. Good tactical style But I don't know if he's going to be able to hang around Going a mile and three eighths in here Blended Citizen Looks like a long shot He just hasn't really been in good form since that Peter Pan win last year Need to see more for him from him Before uh, I'll be able to start including him In some of the exotics What makes this race tough is that I th- You're going to come to the Four horses right now That look like the real top contenders and that's Marquis Water United, the Great Day, and it's in the post. So, what when you're playing a lot of your late exotics, they're going to come down to how do you approach this race and how do you af- approach this group of four? Because again, are you going to use all four of these horses that are just kind of the logical horses to include when none of them's really a big price? When you're talking ticket structure, it's not necessarily smart to use four horses who are probably going to be all around the same. I mean, you'd be better off using. One or two And so that's what you have to decide Okay, which of these do you like the most If I'm ranking them I'm going to use United on top I think He has some upside Lightly raced Back on May the 25th He got bumped around a bit and he went um, And he went down to his nose He bobbled, but he ended up recovering He was 5th, he was only 2 deep And he was about 5 lengths off He loomed up Four deep at the top of the lane But he was just second best that day behind Marquis Water But he was still good and I think he's still Figuring things out and and learning 
last time out, he didn't really get going until late, which makes me think that he'll be even better at, at this kind of a trip at the mile and three eighths. So I think United lightly raced with some upside. I'm expecting a big, big effort from United. I'm going to gonna play against Marquis Water, who was just up late for second. He ran really well back in August last year at going a mile and three ace at Del Mar. He could win, but I think with his running style, he's a little more compromised and likely to be coming late on the scene. The Great Day was a very good second last out at Arlington Park. He was fifth. He was six off. He was a clear cut second. He's another logical contender in here. John Velasquez comes in to ride for Arnaud Delacroix. And ranking these four, I probably have the Great Day slightly in front of Marquis Water. But the horse I'll have second, and, uh, and who I would use in all of your exotics along with United is it's in the post. He's a seven year old. He might have lost a step or two But the last effort showed me that Maybe there's still something Left in the tank In a spot like this You know Two years back Or in early 18 He would have been Really tough and a heavy favorite And his upside he His best races Are better than what we've seen from any anyone in here So if he's able to show up with Something close to his best That's probably better than, than what anyone else Can show up with Maybe United who I'm projecting To hopefully improve a little bit The Great Days only raced a few times in this country So he, he could step forward a little bit also But I think the ceiling is the highest For it's in the post So let's have The 5 United and the 7 it's in the post As the 2 we use in all the exotics Depending on how you approach the late exotics And how you play it The other two I think were obviously Marquis Water and The Great Day But you just You can't use all of the ABCD horses It's not logical It doesn't make a lot of sense Unless you're going to be singling into big bombs Later on in the sequence And even in that It still doesn't make a lot of sense Because you'd be better off Picking the ones that you like And doubling up So 5 United 7 It's in the post Marquis Water and the Great Day are right in the tier behind them. Eighth race. It is the Grade Three Tory Pines. So we'll see some three year old fillies here. This is one of my better play or stronger plays of the day. I don't know about better. We'll see if the horse wins or, or not. I like the one into chocolate quite a bit. Career debut, she's one of four next out winners She exits a really strong race She comes back in career start number two On June the 9th She breaks on top She actually gets pushed back on the inside But she's always traveling well She waited nicely behind horses She got a seam, she angled out three deep And in between And it was very, very professional And she defeated a next out maiden special weight winner named Scarlet On July the 26th, last time out she stumbled at the start She ends up last in a field of five And then she takes a little while to get comfortable She makes an early four wide move All the way up right on terms But she was just second best She couldn't go on with the older Katie Trey And that she faced older last time out Now she's back in with three year olds The blinkers go on So she'll have a little bit more focus into chocolate, my top selection. I'll make a nice win wager on her if we can anything over five to one. 
The two is High Regard, who I think stinks a little bit overmatched. Need to see a little bit more from from this Philly. Classic Fit looks like the one to beat to me because it seems like there's a lot of speed in here. And you'll say, well, Classic Fit just showed speed last time out. I think she just kind of ended up on the lead because she was fresh and because they were not going very fast at all. She got to the lead easily. She put away the other speed and she was a clear second behind Dunbar Road. She was fresh. They did not go fast early. She just inherited the lead. And I don't think she'll be on the lead in here at all with the, the speed signed on to her outside. But the fact that she has a little bit of tactical speed and positional speed and she's versatile and she's shown the ability to win from sitting off to win from coming from last and to show really good to show some good speed and finish second. I have her pick second in here and and actually she's one of two and that the only two that I'll use in all the exotics, the one and the three, into chocolate and classic fit. Hollywood Hills she'll she'll get the trip in here. She should get a nice setup. I just don't think she's quite at the level with the uh, with some of these Top three year old fillies in here Colonial Creed I think the same for her She'll probably be Not as fast as Fighting Matt or Kim K Or sneaking out and that could end up Putting her in a good spot right behind them But I don't know if she's going to be good enough to, to end up passing any of these fillies Sneaking out Is really quick She has got a lot of ability She's a nice cowbred But now she's going to have to go a mile and deal with Fighting Mad right to her outside and Kim K. Because Fighting Mad for Baffert is going to be making her first start past six furlongs. And she's gotten a little tired at six furlongs. She's going to be right on the lead pressing. And then Kim K to the outside, her best races are when she's on the lead. The three outside Phillies can fly. And I don't see how Fighting Mad's going to be able to sit off going a mile. I don't think Kim K will be able to sit off with her speed. To me, this race looks like it's going to set up beautifully for the one and the three into chocolate to save all the ground and classic and for classic fit with the versatility. Those are the two I'll be using in all exotics. The Del Mar Oaks is the ninth race. Mile and an eighth on the turf for three-year-old fillies Cambier Park is going to be pretty tough For Chad Brown He ships this three-year-old filly in She Most recently was third in the grade one Belmont Oaks when she was about three off She was in third She ended up takes back a little bit To in between horses in the second flight She Moved out But she just couldn't get to Concrete Rose She ended up losing the battle for second We've seen Concrete Rose come back To Real impressive victory Cambier Park might be a bit Farther back early in here Exiting Some races that were not going very fast Early on in the mile and a quarter Race last out I have her pick second though She's absolutely the one to beat in here Because she just faced better And she's going to be really really tough Maxim Raid is two is the two For Simon Callahan I think the two and the three Both are long shots who are just a little bit overmatched in here. I couldn't build a strong case for either one of them to sneak into the exotics. I could for the four, and I'm going to make Hard Legacy my top selection here. I think she's going to sit fourth or fifth behind on paper what looks like speed from Raymundo's Secret, Keeper of the Stars. Uh, I don't think Dog Tag's going to be far. 
You know, sold it is going to be in the mix early. Mucho unusual has some speed and could be right in that early flight. So with that combination of horses all possibly showing early speed, I think Hard Legacy could work out a trip right behind them. Similar to the trip she had when she won in her debut where she was kind of sitting fourth early, even the Gulfstream career uh, win number two when she kind of sat off early and then moved. Envisioning that for Hard Legacy, Norm Cassie. I look at some of the horses that she's faced recently. She beat Varenka. Varenka's three to one in the lake in the Lake Placid. She was behind Regal Glory, who is the favorite in the Lake Placid. And Princess Caroline, who won a first level allowance next time out. I like the races Hard Legacy's coming out of. I think she can sit. Gonna make her the slight top selection over Cambier Park in here. Problem with Raimundo Secret, who's been very good in, in her two starts, is that I, I just don't know. She's stepping up, facing tougher, going farther, and she's gonna have to deal with other speed. It's a little bit too much to worry about. I think the same for Keeper of the Stars, who I, if she sits right behind, maybe she can get first jump on some of the deep closers, but I think she's gonna get caught up into a, a pace battle. With Raymundo's secret Dog tag Comes in the other Chad Brown runner Who was third in that field of three I don't feel like She's a top tier Brown runner and she may be just Kind of like the B or C brown Horses who, who came over so I won't be playing her in most of the exotics Apache Princess got up For second uh, Was only beating a neck in the San Clemente I think with, with a lot of These California horses too I don't know how good they are And I, I'm in races like this Where there's just not a lot of depth I'm always going to take a, a a Longer look at some of the shippers Who I feel like have faced tougher And you know so Apache Princess And sold it I, I don't I don't see it But I, I could the, the three horses That you could start talking me into from California Are Mucho Unusual, Lady Prance a lot And Out of Balance So Mucho Unusual She was a nice winner From way out of it last time out Two back she sat mid Like just a few lengths off And then three back she won wire to wire So she has shown The ability to win in completely different ways In her last couple starts Mike Smith keeps the faith She's looking for her fourth win in a row She's a grade two winner She's, she's already beaten open company a couple times Lady Prance a lot, the 11 She's just in really nice form You know you're going to get a good A good late rally from her Will her rally be good enough To hold off the likes of Cambier Park Or a horse like I like Like Hard Legacy who could be sitting In front of her And get the jump on Lady Prance a lot Then have Out of Balance who If you're looking for a price to include In your exotics, I think this is the one She's a stone cold Closer but she should get the trip in here And if you'll notice She was not far behind Mucho Unusual And she was behind Strike at Dawn last time out She Was 10th of 12 She was 8-9 off She had to move 7 plus wide To the top of the lane Widest of all It was a really good effort From out of balance last out And then on June the 16th She came rolling late in between horses And she just missed Behind Mucho Unusual like any deep closer She needs a trip But you're going to get some value on her 
And if she's anything in the double digits at over 10 to 1, she's worth including out of balance, perhaps the price of the race. Wildlife, we talked about who's in the Lake Placid, cross entered. You're going to get a nice big turn of foot from her also. Really good in the two races she's been on the grass. No knocks, except, you know, the running style that might leave her compromised a little bit and the wide draw. Then you have a wild card in Hidden Message. And she's making her first start in the U.S. She comes in off a win. Callahan and Pratt. And when you don't look at this race and think that there's anyone that's that scary, right? Even Cambier Park, who's a, a quality filly. And the other shippers, Hard Legacy, who I think is is nice. And, and Dog Tag, who's another Chad Brown. None of them are that scary. Why couldn't a new face like Hidden Message jump up and win this race? Maybe it's the outside draw. She's in good hands with Pratt and, and Callahan. So I have the ninth race pegged four Hard Legacy on top of the one Cambier Park on top of the 12 out of balance on top of the 14 hidden message. Wouldn't talk you off Mucho Unusual or Lady Prance a lot, but I I think there's better, more more pricey options or if you're just looking for maybe the shorter price key horses, I I think it would be Cambier Park. 4-1-12. 14 for me in race number 9 at Del Mar Race 10 And we're just gonna We're just gonna talk about race number 10 No no 11 So we'll close things out with The Pacific Classic War story from the inside Is He's honest and he's gonna try hard And with The rail draw He should be able to save ground And work out a nice trip for himself the Monmouth Cup was was fine. He has won it a mile and a half, so he can run all day. The distance isn't a problem for him. I actually have War Story in the third spot in here. I think he has a big chance to sneak into some of the exotics from the rail. The two, Quip. Does he get the lead in here? There's not a, a, a ton of like real big speed. For the top has some speed. Higher power might be close, but... Draft pick might be close There's no real sure That this horse is going to go And I think it would be in Quip's best interest To go And and try to stretch this field out And spread this field out a little bit I just don't know if the mile and a quarter Is what he wants He sat second He was just off the hip And then head to head Battling with the leader In the Stephen Foster last time out He was Beaten only a neck, but it was a little bit of a deceiving neck Because Seeking the Soul who beat him Loomed up behind horses, waited, angled around And and was a well-measured neck winner Pavel is kind of the measuring stick for this field You know, you you look at the field and, And a lot of people are saying it's not a strong group Which, maybe it's not the best Most current informed grade one group But you do have War Story Who's earned, you know, 2.8 million Quip has earned over a million Pavel has earned over 2 million. Seeking the Soul has earned 3.3 million. And then you have Tenfold, who is also coming up on a million. So these horses have, have definitely earned some money. Yeah, I just see Pavel as a measuring stick type. He is a grade one winner. He was third in the Suburban last time out. If Seeking the Soul doesn't show up, or if nobody goes out and tries to steal this race on the front end, he could win. 
for the top, just look like a long shot. He, you don't see Baffert horses that are going to be big prices like this often in, in graded stakes races, but he led the way in the Cougar the second, but he faded and he was beaten 13 lengths. And I think they'll probably try to get out front with him again. There's not a lot of speed in here. Maybe the cutback will help, but I don't, I just don't see him as uh, quite as good as some of the best in here, even if it's not a, a strong grade one. Seeking the Soul looks like the the standout. He's a grade one winner. He is very, very consistent. The major question or knock or concern would be, okay, the mile and a quarter, do you think he can go this far? And when you watch his races, I think you you would say yes. Seeking the Soul. The top selection, I would probably single him in exot in the exotics on the top. And if he's three to one, he to me looks like an eight to five shot in here. Was trying to build a case for higher power. He was in the gold cup the last time we saw him on the dirt. It was okay. Came out of that race to win, going wire to wire, going a mile on the grass, and then finished second in a turf stakes at a mile last out. He just feels kind of like a long shot in here, even with Pratt aboard. So I mean you take a positive with with Pratt jumping aboard And there's no monsters in here So the difference between higher power And even the the absolute best Might not be that much But the more I look at this race Seeking the Soul is a legitimate older horse He's probably the one horse In this race that You'd probably be willing To play in the Breeders' Cup Classic or in other Really really top tier Graded stakes races Tenfold is just a little too inconsistent for me you never really know what we're going to get from him And so he's tough to play Unless he floats up Like if you're get, like around 10 to 1 I don't I don't mind Including tenfold in some of your exotics Campaign it feels like he's going to be going It feels like he wants to go a little bit farther Right And he can run all day long And his victories have been at a mile and a half On the grass A mile and five sixteenths on the grass um, a mile and a half, a mile and a half And then a mile and a sixteenth on the slop Where he came from the clouds to just get up So he would need the absolute like Perfect type of trip, things to go his way He will have a little bit of bottom On the cutback And maybe he starts rolling And gets a little momentum build up Mongolian groom He's been overmatched Against Graded Stakes Company He was second in a small field against Catalina Cruiser Last time out Which I don't think people felt Was a very strong renewal of of The San Diego Catalina Cruiser is, is not going to go Here I don't think they, The connections felt like he was a true mile and a quarter horse And then Draft Pick Who At the very least has some tactical speed And could put himself in, in striking range But is he Quite good enough to do that Going a mile and a quarter and hold off a horse like Seeking the Soul I don't think so I have this race pegged 5 Seeking the Soul Over the 2 Quip The 1 War Story And the 6 Higher Power As just wild cards to maybe use Underneath in some of the exotics I'm not really against Campaign or Tenfold But I'm not really high on either one of them to me, this feels like Seeking the Soul is an absolute standout. And there's your uh, Del Mar for Saturday. Up next, interview time. I had a nice conversation with Brian Monzo 
and Darren Zocali. We talked about actually we did talk some horse racing in there, so pay attention at the very beginning. There is some Saratoga discussion. And and then we talk about WWE SummerSlam. We talk about everything that's happening in the world of wrestling, the current storylines going on, a little Mets, a little Yankees, and a nice hour-long conversation or so with Brian Monzo and Darren Zocali. So that is coming up next. Here with our first three-way interview on That's What G Said podcast. Very excited about this one. A couple good buddies of mine and uh, these two gentlemen. We can really talk about everything in the world of sports, but I think for the most part, the, the the thing that brings the three of us together is our love for horse racing and our love for wrestling. Very happy to first introduce Brian Monzo, producer at WFAN. You know him from the Mike Francesa show, the Mike's, uh, Mike's on app, the Mac and the Mons podcast from horse racing, wrestling. You'll hear him talk about the Rangers and the Mets on Twitter also. Monzo, what's going up, buddy? Hey there. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us today. Anytime. And then. I would, I would only download this app for you. Yeah, I know. I appreciate it. You got on the Skype app for me. Thank you. And then uh, DZ, Darren Zocali, you follow him online on Twitter, at the Track 7, track announcer, handicapper. He was the main man at the Meadowlands, probably the, the best on-track handicapper slash uh, jack-of-all-trades I've known at any racetrack. Currently working for CDI. Great follow. Gives out tons of horses on big racing days. And I think we all have different opinions when it comes to horse racing. We all have different opinions when it comes to wrestling. But I think we can all agree on one thing. Is Brad Thomas the greatest handicapper out there? Oh, it's not even close. <laughs> it's not even close. In fact, you, you can have a debate about who's number two. But no, it's, it, it's Brad and it's about uh, Secretariat Belmont lengths back to whoever's second. Yeah, I, I talk to Brad just about every day now. And... Uh... I can honestly keep him on the phone for about two hours uh, if if he lets me. He, you know, it's funny because as you know, as handicappers, we all have our egos and we all think we're the best and we all think you know every every race we can you know could break down and we can we can do it better than anyone. And he is one person that I am always just okay with kind of sitting back and eating some popcorn and just listening, just like you said, Brian. Like his the preview show that they do and anytime i ever had the opportunity to interact with him uh, when i was working at tvg or the few times i went out to monmouth he is awesome so for all of you out there who are uh, aspiring horse players and handicappers follow brad thomas shades off on twitter or if you just watch the monmouth uh, track feed you'll see him and and that's kind of i, I like to sh- to use him to show people hey handicapping is not easy and if you're not you know putting in the type of effort or at least trying to get to the place where someone like Brad is, you're probably not going to be successful. Well, you know what? I've learned a lot about Brad and I'm not sure there's anybody on earth that's willing to put the effort in to everyday handicapping. Like he does like the amount of races he watches. I think most normal handicappers, people like myself would literally go nuts, but he's got the, uh, the ambition and, and the love to do it. And that's why he's the best. Brad Thomas is the man. So we'll talk uh actually let's before we get into the the wrestling part, let's talk a little bit about this weekend's card. I uh since I was I was a week off when I texted you guys earlier in the week and said, "Oh, let's talk about the Travers this week. It's actually uh, next week." So well, at I would Sarato- I would have given you game winner, but now he's out. So Yeah, I was so. going to say, yeah, we, that's unfortunate. And we we do have a a couple of good races at Saratoga this weekend and just overall your thoughts before we, we get into the some of the Saturday race at Saratoga. 
it's pretty unbelievable what we're seeing right now from from Chad Brown. And in just a few years, the overall dominance, what we saw from him last weekend at Arlington Park, and now what we're seeing from him again at Saratoga, he's basically like rendered Todd Pletcher like 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 to just an average trainer again. It's pretty incredible, Darren. Like w- w- what we're seeing with Chad over there. Have you seen anything like this before? No, I mean, it's uh, on the big scale, like to compare it to what I used to see at the Meadowlands and harness racing, it's kind of been like Jimmy Tactor with three-year-old trotters like the last few years where, you know, you go into the Hamiltonian and he'd have like the top three or top four contenders. Uh, I mean, I still remember when he won his first Breeders' Cup race uh, with Maram and like everybody just kind of knew that he was like the old assistant to to Bobby Frankel. But I I tweeted a few months ago that it's not going to be long before there's a grade one race you know, on the turf somewhere where Chad literally has the entire field. And then, like, I think a couple of weeks ago, there was a race that got scratched down to, I don't know if it was three or four horses, but the whole field, it was a grade three race on the turf at Saratoga. And the whole field was Chad Brown. So, uh, you know, it's almost getting to a point, you know, where you can make the argument that it's almost unhealthy for racing for him to be just dominating one particular, you know, group of races, whether it be males on the turf or females on the turf. But that being said, I've, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, it's, it's 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 crazy. And I mean, when we discuss the the races this weekend, and we take a look at um, there's a couple of stakes races on Saturday, and the the Lake Placid is the the Grade Two that's going to go as race number nine. I mean, every every race you look at, I mean, you look at the the two graded stakes races this weekend. Chad's going to have Blowout and Regal Glory. They're not even you know any of his top tier. Three-year-olds, they're both going to be really tough in there And then you turn the page to race number 10 Which is the Alabama He's going to have Dunbar Road from the rail And if she wins, she might Stamp herself as the second best Three-year-old filly out there behind His other three-year-old filly, Gorana Who's probably number one It is pretty crazy, because even when you look On a weekend like this like He had all of his big guns fire last weekend this is when you're supposed to have like a quiet weekend after you just won the Arlington Million, the Secretariat, and the Beverly D again. <laughs> again, so um, it is pretty incredible. Did you take a look at the uh, the Lake Placid at all, Brian, or the Alabama? <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on the uh, the Saturday, Saturday card at Saratoga? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have the odds out yet. I mean, I can look and, and assume who's the favorites. And you talk about Chad, and the one thing I've noticed, I mean, in the last couple of years, when you thought of Chad Brown, you obviously thought you know turf horses. But he's unleashed this like uh, squad of uh, young fillies now. Yeah. That all of a sudden now he's on. He's, you know, he just had uh, what was it, Royal Charlotte a few weeks ago. We didn't mm-hmm. win her last race, but he's just he has so many now with Dunbar Road and Guyana. It's just it's insane now that he has a like, new stock of horses that he's unleashing. It's it's scary, and it's, as Darren said, you know I can see how it can become a little bit of an issue moving forward uh, in the racing world. But as far as the races this weekend, uh, look, it's it's a, it's been a little tough for me to, just because I was away to really, you know, give a, a really honest look, um, but I certainly did take a glance, and I always do, because, you know, I'm insane, but uh, it was, as far as the Lake Placid goes, I, I think Barranca is going to be very tough to beat, yeah. just coming off a really uh, good race at Saratoga last out in the uh, optional claiming race, went five wide net race, beating a really good catch a bid. So if anybody can beat the Chad Brown horses, uh, Varenka for Grand Motion to me is possibly the one. But you know we talked about Blowout and we've talked about Regal Glory who's coming off some solid wins. Yeah, you know, Chad's just got a bunch of them, and I make the mistake of still trying to beat them, and I end up being yeah. a loser. Yeah, I think you. I think you're onto the right horse or one of the right couple if we're trying to beat Varenka because I did like what I saw from her last time out. 
Uh, Darren, what are your thoughts on this Lake Placid? Yeah, my only issue with Varenka is that she she could be you know pace compromised there mm-hmm. in the short field. There's not there's not a ton of speed in there. Yeah, you know Chad's got the one filly that's going to be rolling along on the front end, and then you're going to have uh, Regal Glory just probably stalking right outside her. And you know they might just do the similar once you finish that they did in the Lake George here. Um, if you're looking for a price horse, you know maybe Feel Glorious can rebound. I'm not sure why she didn't fire her best shot last time out at Belmont, but. I thought her effort two starts back in the soaring softly was solid. I always respect Clement on the grass here. She's a nice filly. She'll probably be five to one, six to one here in this spot because the other three are going to take uh, the lion's share of the money. But I, I mean, I, I think Varenka just could be up against it from a trip standpoint and the fact that she might not get enough pace to run that in the spot. Yeah, the problem I had with blowout was just, I mean, that was a field of three. She wasn't, she's never going to get an easier spot and an easier lead than that. And she just couldn't hold off her stable mate, Regal Glory, who probably will sit a, a similar trip. So, like, of the Browns, I obviously prefer Regal Glory. And then I think I'm kind of with the both of you. I would be kind of cold on blowout in this spot. And I would give looks to Varenka and Feel Glorious if you're, if you're taking a shot against the, the Chads. And I kind of uh, like what you said last time out, Darren. I thought Feel Glorious, she, she settled. A little bit off and you could tell She was just kind of taken back a little Bit last time out I, I really like that May 18th Race it, that was a really good effort Seemed like she wanted to go and I think she Should have won that race and she probably would have been You know have won three in a row uh, Heading into her last start where Kind of blowout was able to just kind of cruise on the lead when, when she was taken back so I think we've sniffed Out all the contenders here In the in the Lake Placid and obviously The Chad Browns are going to take money but Keep an eye on Feel Glorious if, if she floats up. And if Varenka isn't getting hit hard, you know, if she's around 7-2, to two, that might be a nice price for a horse who can save ground and come rolling. Uh, let's go to the Alabama. Mile and a quarter for the three-year-old filly. So that's kind of what the difference with this race is versus a lot of the other three-year-old filly races. Which of these three-year-old fillies can get this mile and a quarter distance? Uh, Brian, when you look at this field, you mentioned the, the Chad Brown success now with these three-year-old fillies and I know one of the best three-year-old fillies right now is Dunbar Road. If she wins this race, she's going to be right up there with Guarana for top three-year-old fillies. Uh, how do you look at this field, Brian? Yeah, you know what? I haven't been blown away by Dunbar Road. No. Uh, and I'm sure the odds are going to be way short on her. Uh, the other horse, obviously, is Point of Honor that people are going to look at in this race as one of the big ones. But again, I thought Point of Honor had every opportunity to get by Guarana, who looked like, looked like she was getting a little tired uh, in her last... Uh, at Sar- at Saratoga, um, the horse I ended up on, and look again, I don't have the, the odds in front of me, so if they're out, I apologize. I- I'm going to be really interested in Lady Apple this race. I love Asmussen and Santana together. Uh, they've run well uh, at the track. They run well together. You know, I, I think Santana uh, is becoming one of the better jocks in the country, and I think she has a big chance. I think she might actually try to go to the lead and try and wire this field. We'll see, you know. But I, I think obviously the curling's not going to hurt a mile and a quarter at all. Uh, I think Lady Apple has a big chance and is going to be probably my top pick in this race. Come off some solid workouts at Saratoga, been training really, really well, really consistent. You know, running grade ones. I'm going to throw away the Kentucky Oaks because that was such a weird race. There was a ton of speed in that race, and nobody wanted to lead except for the eventual winner, Serengeti Empress. So Lady Apple, for me, is going to be a, a top pick for me. And I think hopefully maybe if you get higher than 3-1, to one, I'd be excited. Yeah, she's, she's probably going to be around 5 or 6, I think. She's well, 6 on the better. morning line. So, yeah. And, you know, I think this is a sneaky for a field and a group of, of – Phillies that hasn't maybe been that fast Or maybe they've been a little bit more late developing This is actually a pretty 
solid group when you look from top to bottom. You have Dunbar Road, who's a grade two winner. Lady Apple is a multiple graded stakes winner. You have Champagne Anyone, who's a grade two winner. And the thing about Champagne Anyone, she actually was in an almost identical spot in the Gulfstream Park Oaks when she was in the same race with Dunbar Road and Point of Honor when they took all the money. And Champagne Anyone actually jumped up and won that race. At seven to one, she's kind of interesting in here. You and have I know street that because I better that race. Yeah, yeah, you know, because she was she sat really close that day. You have Street Band, who's a multiple graded stakes winner. Eulalie's multiple graded stakes place. Point of Honor is a grade two winner. This is not a bad group at all, Darren. I mean, for a group of three year old fillies that isn't strong, we actually have a decent a decent field lined up for this grade one. Yeah, definitely. I actually am glad with the presence of Dunbar Road here because uh, I really like Point of Honor in here and. Uh, you know, I, I think I look at it this way. You know, Gron is obviously the best three-year-old filly I think that we've seen. And she's within a length of her in that last race. So, you know, just using that logic and now getting away from that filly in this spot. You know, I think Dumbo, I think Dumbo Road's talented, but uh, I don't think she's faced anything close to as good as Point of Honor at this point. And, uh, you know, I, I, take a, I took a long look at Lady Apple as well. But the image I can't get out of my head is the fact that I thought she was just really tired at the end of the Kentucky Oaks going a mile and an eighth. And I... I think a mile and an eighth might be pushing her distance. I know she's a curling, but just using the eye test and what I've seen, I think a mile and a quarter might be just a little bit outside of her scope. Whereas I, I actually think Point of Honor might might get a leg up on these fillies going a mile and a quarter just based on the pedigree. I'm not sure that she was exactly tired in that last race. I think she was just chasing an amazingly talented filly. And uh, if she runs you know, within one length of Gorana in this race, I think she wins. And again, I think the presence of Dunbar Road is only going to help her price. Yeah, I think we're all kind of a little cold on Dunbar Road in this spot, at least from you know maybe playing against on the win end. Is uh, there are a couple other uh, ways you can go, Lady Apple, as Brian mentioned, Point of Honor, as Darren mentioned. I think if you're looking for maybe a, a little bit more on the price spectrum, I think I kind of feel the same way with Champagne. Anyone, I think she's going to show a, a lot better because she actually ran pretty well last last out deceivingly well. She was trying to press Gorana early on, and she sat behind. She moved right up. She took a couple shots at her. And then she faded and tired, and so she might have been, you know, third best in that in that race. And then even the horse who was third in that race, off topic. I don't know if off topic is good enough to win, but she's kind of a grinder who can just keep grinding. She might be good for the bottom of some of your exotics to a uh, to flop in there. So that's this weekend at Saratoga. A couple of the graded stakes races in races nine and race ten. Now, uh, one quick thought before we get into SummerSlam, Monzo. The Mets, man. The Mets were awful this year. They were one of the worst teams in baseball. We, I, I saw you kind of making some jokes and laughing at the beginning about some of the, the lineup, you know, Nimmo, and they had some struggles early on. But this team is playing some good baseball right now. You know, we laughed at what they did at the trade deadline. They're they're kind of right in the mix. They're fun to watch right now. Yeah, you know, they had the crazy run, 14-15. Um, you know, but the last couple games, you know, that bullpen has come to bid them, and the manager has come to bid them. Last night, uh, Atlanta taking Steven Matz out after 79 pitches. Uh, it's just very odd decision. I understand that Seth Lugo has been good, but you know, now they're on a three game losing streak and, and being a Met fan, you expect the worst. So um, I do have a feeling that, you know, unfortunately we may have missed, uh, we may have already seen the best. And unfortunately, uh, moving forward, I think the down, t- uh, the spin is about to happen of all the negativity, but that's the life of a Met fan. It goes up, it goes down. <laughs> And now it's uh, going down again. And then the, across town, you got the the Yankees and in DZ. Yan- the Yankees are a really good baseball team this year, Darren. It's been impressive how they've been able to 
you know, build up such a, a good record, even with all the injuries they've faced. But I think the Yankees are kind of sitting in a spot that the Dodgers are sitting in where, you know, you, the fan base is kind of going, okay, let's just, let's get to the playoffs and let's see if our weaknesses are going to really be there. And I think for the Yankees, it's probably the starting pitching for the Dodgers. It's probably the bullpen. How do you feel about this Yankee team, you know, about six weeks out in the playoffs? It's a, it's such a weird season because, the fact that they're 40 games over 500 where they really haven't had a completely healthy team all season is, is pretty remarkable. Their ace has been out all season. Giancarlo Stan, I think, has played a combined five games all season. Aaron Hicks is back on the DL. Judge is not hitting at all right now, I mean, which is even you know more incredible. You know, that, that Stanton's been gone. Judge is not hitting. Sanchez was on the IL for you know two and a half, three weeks recently. So, yeah, I mean, they're an incredibly talented offensive team. Uh, I think when you are short on starting pitching, that always rears its head in the playoffs. Uh, I am terrified of facing Houston uh, and facing, you know, Cole and, and Verlander and now Grinky. And I'm even afraid of now facing what is a revamped Cleveland Indian team that has starting pitching. I don't know if Carrasco is going to come back from his leukemia fight and pitch this year. But, you know, still with, with, with Kluber, you know, probably coming back before the playoffs and, and having Trevor Bauer. And Jose Ramirez is now hitting the cover off the ball again. That's a very dangerous team as well. So uh, with the Yankees, it's hold your breath. Hope everybody gets healthy. Hope Severino comes back in September and looks like himself for the playoffs and maybe find a way to squeak by those teams. But my fear is that this team is built to just dominate in the regular season, win 107 games, and then they're going to get to the playoffs and face you know rock-solid pitching and, and strike out 18 times a game again. We'll, uh, we'll get more to baseball in, in just a few weeks, but it's starting to get fun now, and I kind of agree with what you're saying, Darren. We're starting to see these top teams really take shape. Like, even as a Dodger fan, I'm looking at a Braves team that's built pretty well. I'm looking at a Nationals team that would be really tough to face in a short series with their pitching. I'm looking at a Cardinals team that's been a really well-built team, and they're finally starting to get into the swing of things. So, yeah, I think the the cream is starting to rise now in baseball. We're starting to see these top teams uh, separate, separating themselves and what looks like a nice playoffs uh, getting set up. Now let's get into wrestling. We had SummerSlam this past weekend. I thought it was a pretty solid show from top to bottom. There really wasn't any, you know, unbelievable standout maybe match of the year but there really wasn't anything too negative it was pretty solid throughout let's kind of hit on what happened and then we can touch on and how that has um, kind of developed throughout the week with raw and smackdown early on won't touch too much on this cruiserweight match was Oni lorkin versus drew gulak the only one thing i'll say about 205 live and the cruiserweights is i wish they would just drop the live aspect of it and i wish they would film this show in full sale with NXT, I feel like these guys would get such a better reaction because this this match, this Drew Gulak versus Oni Lorkin, if this match was filmed in front of Full Sail and the NXT crowd, they'd be really hot for it. But when you put it at the beginning of a long pay per view or at the beginning of a three and a half or four hour Tuesday or you know SmackDown taping night, the, these guys just don't get a whole. Good response from the crowd But there's talent in this division We've just seen Cedric and Buddy Alexander And Ali come up And these guys can go Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean Oh yeah, I totally uh, agree Okay, oh, Brian, I'm sorry That's okay no I was, I was going to say Unfortunately, when, when you get these fans In these big arenas I, I, un, I just think there's a limited amount of people Who lock into 205 and NXT And when you get You know, these shows You know, WrestleMania and SummerSlam And, and like you said, they're longer events they just don't know what they're looking at. And I don't think they have an appreciation for it. And I think when you see guys like Buddy Murphy and Cedric Alexander really perform, and Ali for that matter, 
on the main roster and really do some. I mean, look, Buddy Murphy gave Roman maybe one of his best matches ever on SmackDown this week. You know, I think that's when the fans will have a greater appreciation for it. Unfortunately, when they're going against the guys they know and not going against each other. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, all, regarding Buddy Murphy, all you had to do was watch his match with Roman on Tuesday. I mean, that, that was a fun and exciting match to watch. And those two guys played very well off each other. And everybody came out of that match saying, wow, that's a rivalry I would love to see. And it's, it's such a shame because the Cruiserweight matches are really good. And they're exciting and they're fun. And those guys do some things that just blow your mind. But they're just they're, they're, I don't want to say that they're set up to fail, Gino but they're just not put in a great spot to succeed the way that they have things scheduled. And I think you could be onto something if you kind of move those tapings to Wednesday night and, and had them play off an NXT crowd that 100% would appreciate them so much more. Yeah, and, and it kind of will lead right into the, the next match on the pre-show, on the kickoff show, which was more more than a match. It was more of just an angle to keep the, the whole Buddy Murphy involved with Roman Reigns stuff going on. And we saw Rowan attack Buddy Murphy after. But as you guys mentioned... Um, we had two matches this weekend on uh, on on WWE TV. First on Monday night, we got a match between Cedric Alexander and Drew McIntyre. That was really really good. I mean, I think people forget when they see Drew out there playing the the heel stick how much he can really go in the ring. And just like we were talking about with Buddy Murphy, Cedric Alexander is almost on that level. He can absolutely go. Uh, I, I was really. Happy to see both of those matches because I felt coming out of this week, the one thing I liked coming out of SummerSlam and after you know Raw and SmackDown this week, I felt like heading into you know the King of the Ring next week and just um, you know moving forward with with the storylines and going on to Fox, it feels like there are a lot of guys right now that they're starting to heat up, maybe eight or ten or even twelve that are getting wins or that are kind of getting some TV time that they haven't been. Recently, so what did you think of uh, of this week with those matches, Darren? Yeah, I agree, and, and it's kind of one of the things that came out of SummerSlam, and I, I think I texted you this that, and it had, it kind of played to the fact, like you're speaking, that they have these guys that are getting some new TV time. You, you take a look back at SummerSlam, and you know, while overall I agree with you, I thought it was a, I thought it was a very good show. Look at the guys that were not involved. You know, there was no Roman, there was no Braun Strowman, there was no Drew McIntyre, there was no Samoa Joe. There was no intercontinental title match in Shinsuke Nakamura because they just have so many guys right now that can go. And it's great to see some of those guys uh, get some TV time, albeit it's a little bit weird to not see some of these big time guys on the main roster, you know, getting their time on what would be the second or third biggest pay-per-view of the year. So um, WWE is, is in an interesting place right now that they have so much talent, probably more than they know what to do with. And you have these guys that heat up and then cool off and heat up and cool off. It's almost like they don't have enough hours in the week to push as many guys as they need to push. So uh, I, I hope that these guys that are getting new TV time, they can kind of see that prolonged and move forward. But I'm just concerned that they have so much talent out there that they're just going to run out of airtime for everybody. You know, and the other thing um, that we haven't mentioned is that, you know, they split the airtime now with the women. So yeah. you're not just dealing with, uh, you know, an endless solid male roster. You have a relatively deep women's roster and they have to honestly, because they deserve it, they have to give them the opportunity to, to shine on these big shows and that, you know, the show can't be 12 hours. So no. you got to get everybody in there. And if unfortunately for a Samoa Joe, who I think is awesome and deserves a big push, or Shinsuke Nakamura, who is the IC champion, or even Roman, if they don't have anything for him, they're not going to force him on the show now. 
because there's so much, you know, storylines and, and guys and, and girls that uh, deserve the opportunity to be there, especially if there's something for them right there. You know, maybe at some point you were talking about, you know, separating the 205, making that maybe, maybe they end up separating the male and female division and, I, and the females get their own show. I was hearing something about that, too, because it's finally starting to get to the point where, as you mentioned, they, there's so much talent in this female roster. I mean, we have a, a women's tag team titles match. That was the last match on the pre-show. And then you had you had the Iconics versus uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. I mean, in just the four-way that they had on uh, on Raw before SummerSlam, you add in Asuka and Kyrie Sane. I mean, those two women could be in any women's title feud immediately. They are extremely talented. Kyrie Sane, too. She's never really gotten her shot yet. Asuka, I mean, she was beating and tapping Becky Lynch out. At the Royal Rumble earlier this year Before Becky went on her big run and beat Ronda Rousey So this, I mean even Charlotte She's not in the title mix at all right now And and she's having matches with Trish Because she has that clout So this is just a really deep roster um, of, of the women in particular And I kind of I at least like the fact that Alexa and Nikki if they're the champs, then at least we're going to get some some more tag title matches, and maybe we'll get we'll get to see these women's tag titles a little bit more. Because for a while they were on the Iconics, who I love, but we just didn't get to see them on TV a ton. Yeah, yeah, the Iconics had a very weird title reign in that they won the titles and then kind of just did some like vignettes and backstage stuff, and you never really saw them in the ring. So it, it was a very strange. If you were going to put the belts on them and try to give them a push, it was a strange way to do it. Because they never really defended them. So, um, yeah, but I totally agree. I mean, Oscar's in a tag team, you know, and, and last year, you know, Hart versus Charlotte at WrestleMania was one of the matches of the night. Um, so, uh, yes, I mean, you have not only a loaded men's roster, but you have a loaded female roster that I, I mean, you, you saw in the pay-per-view uh, evolution last year that, you know, they can go themselves. And maybe you're right. Maybe it is time to give them uh, their own show. Maybe it doesn't have to be on cable. Maybe it'll you know, stream on the WWE network like NXT, but maybe we're at that point. But at the same time, I could see the problem where if you go to a raw taping, you want to see Becky Lynch. Sure. So, you know, they do run into that issue as well, where if you take the, the women have gotten to a point so much where if you take them off of raw or SmackDown, there are going to be people that are disappointed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you kind of have to deal with that also. Yeah, and, and Brian, you know, we'll get into the, the first match of the night at SummerSlam, and it was Natty versus Becky Lynch. I mean, Becky has had this, it was really last year at SummerSlam when the real crazy run for Becky Lynch started, and she has been one of the top stars in WWE all throughout the year. She main evented WrestleMania. She's been the champ multiple times, and she had a great match to kick off tonight. Like, they're putting her at the beginning of the night because they know this was going to be a hot match with a hot crowd for Natty, who is from Canada. I thought it was a really good match uh, for both women who can really go in the ring. Yeah, I thought the match itself in the ring did everything they wanted to do. I think the reaction from the crowd <laughs> was everything they didn't expect. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think they thought that was almost, almost going to be Canadian Stampede like, mm-hmm. where you have the home. You know, she's not even home. She's more Calgary than Toronto, but. You know, you have the Canadian, and they take a lot of pride in that. She comes out with the flag, and they step into the ring, and there's Becky chance. So, I mean, it, I just think that aspect is back, backfired a little bit. Uh, to me, Nat, Natty's a heel. Uh, she always works better as a heel. Um, you know, she really played – they kind of like kind of like tweenered both of them in this match. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the match itself was good. I don't think the reaction got what they expected. If they got a 
pro-Canada. The crowd was behind her, and then Becky was getting all the heat and eventually got her to tap out. I think it would have been a lot better. But as far as the quality of the ring, uh, they both can go. They both, you know, can sell. I love the fact they both use each other's finishers. Um, it was a good match. I, I just think that the crowd kind of backfired on what they expected to happen because you kind of got you got that with Trish, uh, with Trish yeah. and Charlotte. You know, you got the, the Canada and Trish in her last match, or very likely her last match ever. You know, you got that crowd reaction, but you didn't get that with this match. You got, I thought they were going to pop very big for Natty, and it was kind of blah. And then when Becky came out first, it was pro Becky. So I, I think that aspect, but just goes to show how hot she is right now. I mean, she's, and I think she's going to, and we want to talk about this, I think she's going to have some competition now with Sasha, because I think the crowd's going to get behind her now with what she did Monday. So it, it's, it's right now, to me, the women's division. Is super strong. It's it's very entertaining, and that match, you know, was just a very simple example of how well they're doing. Yeah, and Darren, what I liked about Becky is, I, I think you and I were talking a little bit about this. The all the stuff after WrestleMania with Seth Rollins and Becky and Lacey and Baron Corbin and the whole putting Seth and Becky together and, and acknowledging them as you know being in a relationship. I don't think that did good for either Seth or for Becky. I think both of them were organically really over and really hot, and they were kind of over because you know Becky was a badass and because of Seth's really good work in the ring, and and that's why people were getting behind them. So when you added this other storyline in it with them and the love and the relationship, I don't think it was the right time. And I'm glad that it seems like both Seth and Becky were able to kind of get through it because they both seem to be pretty strong on Monday. And I love where they're going now with, you know, Becky and Sasha with Seth and maybe AJ or Braun or whoever. But let's stick with the the, uh, the Becky and Sasha first. What do you think about everything that happened on Monday night? I mean, it was it was exciting to see Sasha come out. Uh, you know, the the taking off of the purple hair, I guess, was like you know synonymous with you know her change of character. I mean, it was cool. Uh, I would have liked to have maybe seen them wait a little bit to heat up Sasha and Becky because sure. now you've kind of just got past SummerSlam. I know you've got you know Hell in a Cell coming up in Survivor Series, but I would have liked there have been to a build and maybe you know, get them together Royal Rumble WrestleMania season rather than heating them up the night after SummerSlam. Like, okay, we're we're diving right into this. You know, I think sometimes WWE pulls the trigger a little too quickly on good ideas. And the good idea becomes an okay idea because of how fast you heat it up. And I think that might happen with, with Sasha and Becky. And I think they, they also misread, like we were talking about, how the reaction to, to Becky and Becky opponents are going to be, you know, they probably think now, all right, well, they turned Sasha into this big heel and they're going to get this monster push now, you know, behind Becky. And what's going to end up happening is that the, you're going to get the push behind Sasha and it's going to kind of be like, you know, the opposite of Becky at SummerSlam last year where they thought they were turning Becky heel and that blew up in their face. So it's kind of weird. I, I feel like they never read the reaction to Becky the way it actually is. I know I, they're a little bit off, uh, uh, or maybe they they try to force things a little bit. And you're the timing is is a good point is a really good point of it. Um, we've seen a, a sort of character change for Dolph Ziggler, where he's kind of this. Uh, um, I, I heard somebody mention the uh, the Will Ferrell character in Austin Powers that just keeps. No, I'm okay. I fell off the cliff. No, I'm not dead yet, but I am dying. That's kind of the, the Dolph Ziggler character right now is he just keeps getting his ass kicked, but he keeps uh, calling out the uh, the person who kicked his ass. That was the case with this Goldberg match, which was really funny how quickly this match kind of developed 
on paper, we're scratching our heads going, really? Goldberg versus Ziggler? Wonder- I was wondering how they were going to do this. They gave Ziggler a-, a big super kick right off the bat to kind of give you a little bit of doubt and think, wow, maybe they're going to play this Goldberg is done angle. Not the case. Goldberg squashed him. And Ziggler, for whether you love him or not, man, this guy can sell. He made those spears look like they just crushed him and, and broke him in half. And then we saw Ziggler out on Monday Night Raw with the Miz. Brian, what did you think of all this uh, Zig- Ziggler, Goldberg, and his stuff with Shawn Michaels even in the mix too? I, I think a lot of this had to do with getting the feel of Super Showdown off of Goldberg and The Undertaker. I think it's mm-hmm. the only reason why The Undertaker was involved in Extreme yeah. Rules. That's why he performed extremely well at Extreme Rules. He looked good. He did all the uh, Undertaker things, and they talked about how good he looked. I think they had to do the same thing here with Goldberg. I don't think they had to. I think they felt the need to. I, could, I wouldn't have cared less if they did or didn't. Um, to me, I had a problem with Goldberg kicking out at one twice on a super kick. Yeah. Um, I, I thought they – look, I, Dolph's obviously a company guy. He's done it for a long time. He's put people over left and right. It's Goldberg. You know, I understand. But to me, to make Goldberg look like invincible and to make Dolph look like, you know uh, – you know, a pinky was just, it was a little silly to me. I, you know, the stuff after I understand it was, it was funny uh, to me. It did no favors to Dolph. I don't think he deserved it. You know, there was part of me that was really rooting for Dolph in this match, knowing it was impossible for him to win, but I didn't like, I didn't, I liked the two super kicks. Can you sell him a little bit more than he did? That was my issue with it. Yeah. What did you think about, uh, about all this stuff, DZ? Yeah, I, I didn't love it. I mean, you know, I, I get the point. Like like Brian said, it was obvious that they just wanted to get the, the stench of Super Showdown off of Goldberg, which is fine. But but Dolph is one of the one of the best guys they have in the ring. I mean, the stuff that he does, not only, you know, athletically, but the way he sells. I mean, he's just phenomenal. And he, and in my opinion, for so long, he's just so underutilized. And I think just wrong. The, the way they use him is just completely wrong. And uh, yeah, kicking out at the one off the super kicks and then, you know, making, you know, Dolph now, you know, two straight nights, get on the microphone and, you know, basically begging people to come back and beat him up. You know, I'm a huge Dolph guy. It's not because we share the same initials. Uh, I just think <laughs> I just think he's really good. And I would like him to at some point. I, I look, I know they pay him a lot of money and he's got a sweet deal and, and I get all that. But I would like him at some point to get pushed into some kind of a scenario where he's back to at least close to main event status because the guy is just so damn good in the ring. And, you know, he doesn't deserve to be the, the, you know, the victim of a squash by Goldberg just so that Goldberg feels better, you know, after that undertaker disaster at super showdown. He reminds me a lot of, uh, of kind of how Cody Rhodes was towards the end of his WWE run. I just feel like Dolph is the type of guy who, if he were to go somewhere else, I mean, if he went to like AEW or Japan, he would be a main event, Talent immediately and they would love him And he would have incredible matches and I, I, I Just feel like he's been Been like the um, At the neg- at the You know like at the bottom of the booking So many times that people just have a, have a Tough time getting behind him now so I, I'm with you I hope we can get yeah. some Some kind of a tweak to him because I've always been such a Dolph fan he's so good in the ring he obviously cares He obviously wants it he gives it all for The for the fans so I, I love that and uh, the next two guys also do the same that we saw in the U.S. title match, Ricochet versus AJ Styles, two of the best workers in the company. This was a solid match, but it was more telling a story. We didn't quite get to that next level match that these two can have, but it, it feels like this is kind of continuing on a, a little bit. We saw Ricochet come out and get involved after the main event on Monday Night Raw. 
So I'd imagine that next week we're going to have some sort of a AJ Styles, Gallows and Anderson versus Ricochet, Rollins and Braun Strowman. What'd you think of uh, all this with the U.S. title and Ricochet and AJ uh, Monzo? Well, as far as the match itself, it was okay, you know. And yeah. and unfortunately, I think they'll tell you the same thing, both of them. My feeling is like before they go out there, they meet with Vince, and Vince is like, you know, all that stuff you saw on NXT that the crowd likes, do the opposite. You know? I know, right? You know, it's just it's a like somebody's got to tell them to like tone it down. Is or they're like, okay, on a one to ten scale, give us like a three because you 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 know these guys have more. And I think I honestly feel that Vince is concerned about injury. You know, I I think he doesn't want these guys to get hurt when they do. You know, a lot of the stuff they do. You know, there's there's risk of injury. I mean, anytime Ricochet leaps over all the you know ropes and lands. You know he could twist an ankle. He could land on the back of his head. I mean, I, I, as good as these guys are, you know accidents happen, and uh, I, I think that that's one of the concerns. You know, we haven't seen the muscle buster since, uh, you know what what's his name got hurt. Uh, Natty's husband got hurt. So I mean, there's so much risk in some of these guys. So it, I, to me, that that hurt the match a little bit. And I'll be honest with you, I, I love factions and I love the OC. I, I love what they're doing with them. I love the look. I love how they're bringing back, you know, the New Japan style and, and, you know, as heels. I love it, you know, but it's been the same story with Ricochet now for two months. You know, they come out, they have a match, they attack him after. And nothing ever happens. Now, maybe we got a little bit of a progression to that story on Monday night with the uh, Braun Strowman stuff and, and having Seth involved. But, you know, I think that's going to eventually, I think Ricochet is now out of that story. And I think we're going to get Braun and AJ for a while. I don't think that angle is going to have anything to do with Seth or Ricochet at this point. I think. You know, what I was hoping was going to happen after the match, when they went back into the ring, I thought they were going to try and invite Ricochet into the OC, which I think would have been awesome. Yeah. That would have been tremendous. But it didn't go that way, and it was just the same thing. They hit him with uh, their finisher, and uh, that's the end of the match. And AJ was, you know, retains the title, which is cool. But to me, it, it, the ending and the, and the end of that story really... Yeah, and as you mentioned, Darren, it was a really strong SummerSlam card, even when you had a guy like Braun Strowman not on the card, but we saw Braun Strowman back in the mix on Monday night. He was another character that we were talking about, kind of similar to Becky and uh, to Seth. He was so over and hot on his own, and WWE really cooled him down for a while. Maybe just being off TV for a few weeks can get him kind of back to the level he was because he was the hottest thing in wrestling for a while, you know, when he was coming out every week and turning cars over and, and um, raising hell. And, and the, the crowd really likes this guy. They do. I, I, thought it, I thought it was strange that Strowman was, whatever they have planned going forward, but to have Strowman come out to yeah. help Seth and Ricochet was, I don't know, just weird to me. I mm-hmm. mean, oh. how, how, long, how long did, like, you know, Braun as a heel feud with the Shield and, you know, him and Seth, you know, had battles and stuff. And now he just kind of comes out to, you know, help Seth for whatever reason. I don't really know why. I'm sure we'll find out why. Um, but that just kind of felt weird to me. I, I did think the power slam, that the first power slam that he hit on AJ was sick. Uh, <laughs> the way that, that it all kind of came together. But the, the other thing with Strowman that I, that I don't get, I, I still think they got to give this guy some other kind of finisher. You know, than than a running power slam. I I don't know what they can come up with, but any anything anything any kind of version of a crazy choke slam or power yeah. bomb or something. Just the, the British Bulldog running power slam doesn't you know, do it for 2019 me. 2019 just doesn't do much for me. No, 
Hey, I just thought it was strange, to be honest with you. I really did. I thought it was it was weird that Strowman came out. I figured Roman was going to come out at that That's point. That's the one we keep looking. Like, every time there's something yeah. involved with Seth, I'm expecting Roman. But there, well, they have to be purposely yeah. separating them, you know? Yeah, they are. And, and it's so strange because, like, for how many years, anytime, you know, Seth would get beat up, Roman is there to save him. And now all of a sudden... You know, Lesnar, who Roman has had issues with for years. He would make the most just, sense. You know, yeah. Just, just, just destroying Rollins, like nearly killing the guy. And Roman's <laughs> just chilling in the locker room, you know. No big not, deal. Not doing anything. It's just stuff like that just drives me crazy because it doesn't make sense. And uh, hopefully we'll see going forward uh, if, we can, if we're going to get AJ Rollins or if it's going to be Braun in the mix with Rollins, something I heard. I, I don't. I just don't want to get Braun back into another title match that he's going to lose. I don't think that does him any good. So I, I, I'd like to keep him separated, or maybe they go in a different direction. Maybe they do some kind of a tag, but the, the next pay-per-view is Clash of the Champions, so I'd imagine they'll be defending that uh, universal title. Um, SmackDown women's title match, this was the one that kind of was the big miss for me throughout the night. Uh, I I predicted a couple months ago that Bailey was going to win that title, and they just haven't done much with her since she, she's won the title. I haven't really, they haven't really got behind her a whole lot, and this kind of was a, a weird build, and it was just not a very good match. I didn't see a lot of chemistry. I like Ember Moon. She could go. She had some great mas- matches with Asuka and NXT, but they haven't really figured her out yet on the main roster. And then on Tuesday SmackDown, they have her kind of lose to Charlotte right away, so it almost makes me think that they're kind of shuffling Ember back down the card, and maybe they're going to get Charlotte back up into the title picture. What do you think of a? Uh, uh, what do you think of that SmackDown Women's Title Match, Monzo? Uh, I disagree with you on a lot of what you just said. Really? Okay, cool. I, I, I thought the build, I thought the fans were the problem with that match because I okay. thought the match itself was solid. I think they both can go. You might be right and and how they view Ember, uh, especially. But, you know, there's never – it's like AJ. It's like Ricochet losing to AJ. There's, like, never shame in losing to Charlotte. That's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Trish Stratus just did it. So, um to me, I, I thought the match itself was good. I think they both can work. I would like to see an adjustment to Bailey's character. Uh, you know, maybe a little heelish. They they teased that last year when she went off on Sasha, and I thought we were going to get that. We didn't. Instead, we got a, a reversion of Team Hell No, uh, where they had to go seek help and counseling. But um, I, I thought the match itself was good. I liked ba- I liked Bailey's run now as SmackDown Women's Champion. I, I like to see where it goes. I was kind of hoping it would be. Uh, Sasha going after her. I mean, that's obviously the natural fit. They're keeping them away from each other for whatever reason. Maybe they just don't think they can top their NXT Brooklyn match, which they probably can't. But still, I'm not sure how many people that watch every day have seen that match. Um, I, I understood the crowd was not great for that match, and that was my issue with it. Uh, I thought the match itself was solid. Both can go. Big fans of both. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with Bailey next. Kevin Owens and Shane O'Mac was uh, was next up, and. Shane's been doing his heel shtick He's been doing a good job with the heel stuff He's been on TV a lot as of late And he's been definitely wearing on you So I think that means he's doing a good job We didn't really get the big um, Shane spot in here This was more of a Kind of letting Owens look like a badass here They're definitely going a little stone cold with Kevin Owens Whether it be the stunner and the the angle with McMahon um, Owens was able to win this match a- After uh, a low blow When the ref wasn't looking And and then we saw the next night on uh, Or a couple nights after on Smackdown Kevin Owens comes out He cuts a really good promo He gets fined there's a, there's a lot of similarities with you know Austin McMahon As we're seeing with KO and Shane right now But what I liked from Kevin is 
He cut that promo about the king of the ring That was something that I used to love And he mentioned some of the former winners of the king of the ring Who when you you know go through them They are some of the absolute all time greats I'm I'm liking Kevin Owens as a baby face And I'm, I'm hoping they as we've said With some of these guys that they're pushing Or gals that they're pushing I hope they continue with it It'll be really interesting to see how he's booked Coming up in this king of the ring because he lost a match to Samoa Joe I know it was you know, a roll up and it was quick It was part of the stick But we didn't see Stone Cold losing a lot of matches Back in the day, Darren No, in fact uh, You'd be hard for us to find big matches that he did lose You know, just off the top of your head The, 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 the thing that I Look, I think Owens is a phenomenal heel Just like I, just like I think Rollins Is ten times a better heel than a babyface And we could talk about that later if we have time but i think he's a phenomenal heel i think the baby face owens right now is working because he's just still being himself yeah like he's not he's not like going out there with cheesy lines and trying to get over with the crowd and he's still being ko which i think is what's like pushing because even when ko was a heel he would still get pops yeah you know so it's it's funny because it's his character really hasn't changed a whole at all no yeah he's still himself it's just that now WWE has him as a face, and now the reaction kind of goes along with him being a face, which is cool. But I think it works as long as they just let Kevin Owens keep being Kevin mm-hmm. Owens. He can't. They can't do like the, you know, like 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 how Becky and Ronda and Charlotte got all sideways, you know, in the winter, and and things kind of got forced and didn't make a lot of sense. And from week to week, there were things that just weren't connecting storylines, and you felt things were being forced and pushed. As long as they let KO keep doing what KO does, you know, I think he could have a huge run, you know, as a heel, as, as a face that, you know, could potentially even lead to, you know, WrestleMania main event type stuff. Yeah, what do you think of uh, of this version of KO, Brian? I, I I feel like we might be watching different shows. I, I, I worry they're turning Kevin to too much into placating to the crowd, thanking the crowd for, you know, it's they're the reason why he's doing what he's doing and. Uh, you know, I worry that they're not letting Kevin Owens be the Kevin Owens that we've seen in the years past because those that's the KO the crowd likes. The one that goes out, doesn't care what anybody says, isn't slapping fives with the fans, isn't is just doing, you know, going after who he's going after. And, you know, he, he's still himself a little bit. Uh, he's acknowledging his family uh, a little bit too much for me, which uh, that's, you know, that's him naturally. That's he's a very big family man. Um, but yeah, I just worry that they're going to make him too much of a baby face like they've kind of done with, with with Seth a little bit here where he plays to the crowd and you know we're did this together it's that you know that doesn't sell anymore man it's, it's 2019 yeah so you have to it, keep you know, that edge so if they let KO be KO and he's go as long as he's going against the McMahon family but it has the same attitude it's going to work I'm worried they're going to have him become too much of the smiling baby face and you know, what's up to the crowd and, you know, this and that. And that, that to me, is cause for concern. That gets you booed. You see, you're slowly starting to see that happen to Rollins, which I hate to see because I like him a yeah. lot. Um, you know, it happened to Daniel Bryan when he got a little stale with the yes stuff. You know, I just hope it doesn't happen to KO. They, uh, well, they don't book babyface as well. And it's been this way for the last couple of years. And yeah, they were they were really lucky because they had a John Cena there who could kind of turn – 
A lot of the material, and we've seen John Cena is an amazing performer now, and he's very successful as an actor. But you know, we've seen guys. It's like they were like this with Roman. They were awful booking him as a babyface. They they made him like I, Roman is an incredible athlete and is an incredible performer, and they made people dislike him because the way they booked him and kind of shoved him down your throat. They even Daniel Bryan and you know like someone like Sami Zayn and Bailey. Those should be the easiest babyfaces to book. It's so easy, and they just don't really know what to do with them a lot of the time. Like like you say, they turn them into someone that's corny and kind of a parody of themselves, and then people don't like it. And I think yeah, that, you I, know, they, they've hinted Samoa Joe as, as a face, and I think he's the one that'll maintain his same attitude and get over as a face, and mm-hmm. they won't change him at all. Um, but I, I well, see this too often. They, 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 they do this way too much. Uh, you know what? Ambrose never really changed, and that was cool. And that's why he worked really well as a face. But look, like, looking at the opposite end of it, is there anybody that cares about the Miz as a face? No, because he's a uh-huh. great heel. Yeah, that's you know, there are guys just have to work, you know, how they work and not change their attitude. Yeah, and with Joe, it's funny because if you notice, like they, I, I think it was completely by design. Like they watched probably they, they probably watched back the Joe Roman thing in the parking lot, and they probably went, you know what, we didn't really like that. You know, we, we don't think that's the way Samoa Joe's going to be. So Samoa Joe, the next, you know, he comes out, gets on the microphone, and basically tells the whole crowd to go shove it. Yeah. You know, and to me, that was like a, a, an impulsive response to WWE reading, whether it be on social media or the Internet. Oh, no, look what they're going to do to Samoa Joe. They're going to make him, you know, a little cheesy, soft baby face. And the next night, boom, Joe's out there telling the whole crowd to stick. Yeah. You know, it- as if to say, we're going to stop this right in its tracks. There are a couple, and hopefully we saw that Joe Owens match, which I would love to see these two guys have a, a an elongated feud because those are both guys that can go. And I was reading or listening to something. Those are both two guys that, you know, five to ten years ago, Vince would have looked at and said, these guys are gonna, never going to be in my ring and are never going to be a main event type star. And I love seeing both of them in there kind of towards the top of the mid card and maybe sneaking into the uh, the main event scene. We saw Trish Stratus who... Good, good God, she just looks better and better with age. She looks incredible right now. She is in great shape, uh, physically unbelievable. And and Darren, you know, this was a really good match from Trish. And I think one thing you and I discussed a few days ago, this really shows how good Charlotte is because Trish was good and she was a good worker and she was the best uh, uh, during her time when the work rate and the work level for the women's matches was just not at a very high standard and she she held her own and did very well in this match against Charlotte but when you watch the match you could really see how good Charlotte is with the timing she helped carry the match for someone who hasn't been in the ring much in the last few years as Trish Charlotte made this match come off really really well and and very smooth oh yeah i mean look all credit to Trish you know being in a spot like that with Charlotte with extremely limited ring work, you know, over the past several years and having to go in with what could be arguably the best female wrestler on the planet is a, is a daunting task. And she more than held her own. But again, if you watch that match very closely, even a lot of Trish's offense is, is I don't want to use the word carried, but it's really pushed along a lot by Charlotte. Mm-hmm. You know, Charlotte made Trish look really, really good in that match. And, you know, again, all credit to her because, my God, if you have to go into a ring with her, you know, and maybe you have, you know, a couple of hours ring time over the last 18 months. You know, that's incredibly difficult to do. And kudos to her at age 43 for being in the shape that she's in and being able to go for that long with, you know, the best on the planet. But 
I mean, for that match, I came away from that match saying, really good for Trish. She held her own, but my God, is Charlotte not the best, that, you know, best female wrestler I've ever seen. Brian, what do you think? I do agree with that. I do agree with both of you guys on this one. I thought the match was solid. I got, we got the finish that I think we needed because if they put Trish over uh, Charlotte, would have been a big mistake, even, uh, even though she's playing to the home crowd. Uh, look, Trish showed why. And look, I, I think, to be honest with you, there was a lot of uh, realism in that match where she honestly wanted to prove to herself the person that she can compete with uh, someone like Charlotte. And, and she did. And like you said, you know, Charlotte probably carried a lot of it. But to me, Charlotte could work with a broomstick and it would look good. Yeah. So, you know, she is not just the best female athlete right now in the company. She might be the best athlete in the company. And uh, look, it, a lot of people love to hate her. I don't know why. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about her, the character, her overall. Yeah, I agree. I, I just don't I, I see don't, the negative at all. And yeah, uh, I have friends here. Um, Evan Roberts, who works at the station, can't stand Charlotte. I don't understand how. I, I it's to yeah. me, she carries that division. Every match is good. You know, it, the, some of the stuff she did with Becky when you know, the Evolution match was great. Uh, another one, though, in my opinion, can't change her character, man. When when she comes out and placates to the crowd, it just doesn't work. She's got no. even if she's a face, she has to stay the same. And mm-hmm. her heel work is tremendous. Look, she's a little corny on the mic, you know. Most of them are, but for the most part, she's awesome. And, and it got the good outcome. Uh, I look for anything she does is good. The match with Ember was solid. Whatever they have for her next, whether it's a title run or you know, God knows, maybe she'll challenge Brock Lesnar for all we know, but. You know, she's great, and, you know, the match itself, you know, to me was one of the three best matches of the night. Appreciate you guys hanging around. We're going a lot longer than I had asked you for your time, but we're down to the final three matches, and we're up to the WWE title match, Randy Orton versus Kofi Kingston. We didn't get a a finish in here, but I do like what they've done with this match leading up. I think Kofi's run has been a a little bit longer and a little bit kind of better than I thought they they would give him the opportunity, and I like that they've Gone back to this Orton feud because this feels like a big moment for Kofi, or maybe a big like if you're playing video games, one of those big bosses along the way. Can Kofi get past Randy Orton and continue along with this title run? Um, we saw Orton and the Revival take on the New Day in a tag match on SmackDown on Tuesday night, and the uh, they actually ended up pinning the New Day. So we'll probably get the Revival against the New Day and another Orton Kofi match. Uh, DZ, what did you think about uh, this Orton and, and Kofi and everything with uh, with this feud? Well, I'm, I'm a little biased here because because Randy Orton as a heel is one of my favorite wrestling characters of all time. I don't care if people think it's played out or it's corny, you know. When and, and the reason I love him is because he comes off like such like a, a tough guy, you know, badass type in real life. That that attitude that he brings to the character looks com- entirely real. Oh like yeah, you could. You could literally say, like, based that's on him. His look at how he talks, that's him. And I think that's, that him and that character are completely perfect together. Not to mention that he has the greatest finisher in the history of wrestling, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you put that all together, and, and it's one of the best characters I think you've ever seen. And I love the storyline with him and Kofi. I didn't love the finish by any stretch of no. the imagination. Because I didn't even know that the referee was counting when all of a sudden I heard a bell. You know, I was kind of focusing on what Orton was doing, and I'm like, you know, why wow, was he going to RKO like Kofi's son right now? Like, what, what's, yeah. what's about to happen? <laughs> and I had no idea that a ref was even counting. Now, that being said, I would really like this feud to continue where it's going. I like the storyline. I think the two of them, if you let them go all out, can have a really entertaining match together. My feeling is 
you're probably at some point going to see Randy win because I do think that when we get to SmackDown at some point that they're going to put that belt on Roman and they don't want to come anywhere near having Roman take it directly off Kofi. So I think you're going to get kind of a transitional title run from Randy at some point. But I really like what they did here. Uh, I think they can have a great match at some point where they just kind of have a clean finish. And I really do like the storyline between the two of them. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say much different than Darren on this one. Uh, The finish to me was a little too similar to the finish of Joe and AJ last year where there was no finish to the match. And to me, that should happen at every other pay-per-view except the major ones. Um, But as far as the match itself, to me, Randy Orton, another guy, doesn't work as a face, works great as a heel, unbelievable finisher, uh, you know, gets over it. I've said I'm not going to say exactly what I said to Darren via text, but uh, he could RKO anybody and get a cheer. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, he could RKO the Pope and, and the people would react well. Yeah. To it. So it's just it's such the move is so over um, is maybe the last current wrestler who doesn't have to adjust to the ricochet style of wrestling and have a slow methodical match and keep my attention. Mm-hmm. That's that's why he's great. And you know, even whether 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 the his opponent is down and he's stomping every muscle the guy has, just a slow methodical match going into that DDT off the second row followed by I, look, I I'm a, the uh, you know going on the ground like a snake. You know, before the RKO is a little much to me, but the mat, the move itself when he hits it out of nowhere, like they love to say, it, is tremendous. So it, to me, I like the rivalry. I like Kofi's title run. I like different components every month. That's very old school to me. It runs with Hogan, actually, where he'd go against different guys every month. But um, I do agree. Uh, at some point, it might not be the first try or the second try. I do think Orton's going to take the title from him. It's an easy transition. Um, but, yeah, I like the rivalry, uh, and I'm happy that they're going to continue it because I think it's good. I like the history, and I think it's good. Yeah, or Orton, the both of you said it as when he's a heel, he is just so incredible, and a lot of it has to do with what you were just saying, Brian. His his match style, his in ring style, he's able to go slow and methodical. And so when you when you match him up against a Kofi or a, a good baby face, it's just a great great storyline, and it's a great setup. And I like this quite a bit, and I think this is probably the best Orton has been in a while when he's able to get um good a good heel angle to go after a good baby face. I think we're all kind of the most excited and everybody in in wrestling was really excited about that entrance of the fiend. We saw the fiend Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor. And with the Firefly Funhouse segments leading up to the fiends debut, I think we were all kind of wondering, okay, how are they going to make this transition now? They've done really good backstage segments and, and some vignettes, but now this guy actually has to wrestle. He has to come out into the ring. What are they going to do? And I mean, I'm thinking about when The Undertaker used to come out and put wrestlers into body bags when I was a kid, like very, very early on. And we're talking early 90s, 90, 91, right when he came in and it was on WWF Superstars. He would come out with it was Brother Love at first and then it was Paul Bear. He would have the body bag. He would pin someone. He'd put him in the body bag and take him away. I was legitimately scared as a kid for a few years of this guy and I mean, I showed my mom the Bray Wyatt fiend entrance with the the holding of the severed head and the lantern in the mouth, and and she was a little scared. This is not like well done for WWE. This is well done horror in general. Let's start with you, Darren. I mean, what were your overall thoughts of uh, of this new Bray Wyatt character? 
Well, we, we talked about this between you and I. I. Like I said, I thought the overall show was, was good. I thought that some of the big moments probably made me think that the show was even better than it really was. Like Edge hitting a spear for the first time in eight years was a huge moment. And then the Bray Wyatt entrance where he's carrying what appears to be his own severed head. And the look on the face of the severed head is like like the head saw the girl from the ring before the head was yeah. off. I mean, it was creepy. And, you know, and not only that, the match, you know, I, to be honest with you, I thought it was going to be a total squash. Balor actually got in a little bit more of an offensive flurry than I thought. And maybe that's good. Maybe it kind of saves Balor a little bit, you know, and doesn't make him just take the squash. And, th- and that's cool. But then the end, like the exit where everything just goes dark and suddenly he's all the way up. And if you noticed that 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 kind of peer back really reminded me a lot of the Undertaker peer back when he finishes a match. Like, you know, when he's done, mm-hmm. he goes up to the top of the ramp and gives you that look back and you get that close up. You know, it was a much different version of that, but it, it was kind of like that a lot. And I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, the, the, I think it worked very well. And the ending, I thought, you know, was when you have a crowd chanting, that was awesome after the character left. You know, I, you don't see that too. Often. No. Um, Bray's obviously a genius. I think. Whatever he wants to do, the WWE should give him carte blanche and just let him do with this character. And don't let Vince's hands get onto this thing at all. And just allow this to evolve into whatever it evolves into. Because this this Bray character could be, you know, one of the best character runs that we've seen over the last 10 years. And Brian, what did you think of not seeing this character on Monday or Tuesday? And we really didn't even hear a whole lot about The Fiend on, on Raw or SmackDown. We didn't hear anything about there was not yeah. unless I missed it. There was not one mention on both shows. Um, everything Darren said was, was just about perfect. You know, my biggest concern is how they're going to screw it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope they let Bray have complete creative control. I'm assuming most of this is all him. Uh, from what I gather from the people that would be able to tell me is that he's been working on this for a while and it's been all him. So I hope that continues. I'm just they have me interested yes um with very little information out there so that's that's the most intriguing part i, I want to know what's next i want to know are we ever going to see peewee herman like character in person or is he simply going to be you know on screen um you know is the the, the is the fiend ever going to talk you know it's just there's a lot of unanswered questions which is great because if you watch wrestling and like you guys have forever and like i have forever a lot of it's predictable, and you kind of know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where to see him next. I don't know who he's going against next. I don't know what show he's on. You know, there's, there's a lot there. And, you know, the entrance was great. I have the song now on Spotify, the new version of the theme song. Um, it was great. It, it was it was awesome. There's, there's no other words. I didn't hear one. I haven't heard one person say something bad. No. And, and, you know, the only other thing I was, uh, was going to jump in and say, we were talking about, you know, the, the Mr. Rogers character versus the fiend. The one thing that at some point I'm hoping they figure out a way to do is you have the Mr. Rogers character in the ring and the lights go out for 15, 20 seconds and they come back out and the fiend is there like yes. a quick transition. Like, in, I don't know if it's possible, you know, like the Steven Urkel to uh, Stefan Urkel when he gets yeah, in the transformation like, chamber. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope they don't bring out a transformation. Chamber, <laughs> you know, yeah. lights go out 15 yes. seconds, they come back on and, and he's completely transformed. It would, have to, it, the hair's different. it would have to be two different people. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Or yeah, where we have the two of them standing in the ring with uh looking at each other, you know, and then we're but but yeah, th- this that's one one thing that I've liked 
and and I've seen and I've noticed now even just the last few weeks since we've heard that maybe Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff are having a little bit more uh, of a say backstage in the creative. I felt like I'm interested in what's going to happen next week a lot more than I've been maybe in the last year. And WWE used to do a really good job of that in the Attitude Era or in you know the eras when wrestling was really hot. Is okay, hey, here's our little cliffhanger. We're going to tell you about it next week. And so right now with you know with the Roman angle still out there that we're all kind of curious in with the Fiend with <clears> some <throat> of these new pushes that we're getting and with something like King of the Ring next week, I think we're all. Excited for the next episode of Raw or Smackdown And for a while It it was kind of like Okay, Raw's coming on now um, I'll, I'll throw it on you know, while I'm doing some work I'm a little more excited now to see what's going to happen In the next few weeks And and the man leading the charge is Seth Rollins Seth Rollins you know Whether you like him or not Or whether you like the, the way they, they built him Leading into the, the match with Brock Lesnar when when they just the two of them have really good chemistry, and I I no I don't want to see a whole lot more of Brock and Seth, but anytime we've seen the two of them together, whether it be the two of them with John Cena in a triple threat, or the two of them with Roman at Mania, or the the couple matches that they've had, they it seems like Brock respects Seth quite a bit because he gives him he gives him a lot, and he goes pretty long with Seth where he has not gone with other with others. So I like the match. I like the fact that Seth came out of it looking tough. It was probably one of the better, if not the best, match on the card. And hopefully, as we've said, we can get the Seth Rollins, I'm one of the best workers in the world, and not kind of whiny, I'm Becky Lynch's boyfriend, Seth Rollins, moving forward. Uh, Darren, what would you think about the uh, the Universal title scene? I, I thought it was a great match. Um, to be honest with you, I, I was at WrestleMania. That That was the match I was hoping to see at WrestleMania. I know a lot of people like the fact that Heyman came out and started the show. And, and looking back on it, it, it was kind of cool the way they did that. But the match that we had at SummerSlam was the match I was hoping to see at WrestleMania. Because if you look back over Brock's best matches, they come against guys like Rollins. You know, his match against Styles uh, a couple of years ago at Survivor Series. The match against Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. You know, those matches when he's up against that, yeah, I won't call him a little guy. But a smaller guy that's even the Finn Balor match at the Rumble. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Exactly. The Finn Balor match at the Rumble. You know, that's where he has his best work. The matches with Roman, you know, or Strowman, they're just kind of like big guys barreling into each other. And, you know, they're not his best work. Now, that being said, and I love Rollins as a worker, and I feel bad that I'm saying this. I'm really getting near the end of my rope with the Rollins babyface character. Mm -hmm. It's just. He's so much better as the heel. To me, the babyface Seth Rollins seems so forced. It seems like if he's not in the shield where he's just going out and beating people up and not, you know, playing with the crowd, it's better. But when he's by himself and he's doing all this rah-rah cheerleading stuff and knowing what Rollins was like as a heel, to me, it's just so much less than what he can do. I and almost think awesome. his voice, like his tone of voice, it maybe Thank is you. is something to do with it. Because I like I love him too, and I and you you watch him in the ring, and you go, his move set is great for a baby face. The crowd wants to get behind him. This guy can go out there and work every night as good as anyone. But when he gets on the on the mic and he starts cutting the baby face promos, he always kind of comes off a little whiny, or I I just don't quite. It doesn't really connect a hundred percent with me like it does when he's in the ring as a baby face do, do you feel that at all brian or I, like recently or i how do you do you like him better as a face or a heel i, I like him as I, I don't know how do i answer this 
I think he has moments as a face where I really like him. I like yes. his WrestleMania. I like his match, uh, you know, that he had. Uh, I thought I think the match they had on Sunday was the match they both wanted at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, they didn't get it. And I think part of the reason we got this match was because somebody got in the year and said, we deserve this. Um, or either that, or they just had nothing else for either of them. But, uh, you know, what I liked about the match itself was, while, while I thought the whole time Seth was going to somehow win, especially after he guaranteed it on Raw, <laughs> Brock's the last guy now in WWE that you just don't know. Yeah. Ne- Brock can always win. It, we, mm-hmm. it, if he came out and, on Monday and won, beat Seth again, I would, I would not be the least bit surprised. You know, so that that was the part that I found intriguing, that there was still that little bit of uncertainty in my mind that, you know, was Brock going to end up winning this? Um, you know, like last year at WrestleMania, that really stunned. When he when he beat Roman at WrestleMania last year, I was stunned, stunned. So, you know, that, you know, it, that was the most intriguing part. As far as Seth as a babyface, look, to me, it's, you know, he's got to do less mic work and more in-ring work. And, you know, that's where it works when he, when, he, when he's, you know, more of the, uh, you know, not the guy and I want to earn your respect and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that, that's that's just stale from anybody these days. Mm-hmm. And especially from the universal champion, the guy they're trying to make one of the faces of the company. So that's my issue. But I'm a big Seth Rollins guy. You know, I like the music. I like to burn it down. I, I think that that all fits him. Um, so, you know, yeah, I mean, uh, to me, you know, would he be a he was a great deal. I mean, the, the, I didn't you know, sell out. I bought in. That was a tremendous promo and he worked great as a heel and he works great as a, as a member of the shield. You know, this character is, is decent, not great, you know, but I think he's got a chance to improve. And, um, that was SummerSlam. I'm going to let you guys go in just a, a second. I want to just pick your brain on one thing and get a prediction before you, for you, before uh, I do King of the ring is returning. And I love the King of the ring as a, a pay-per-view and it kind of became more of a, um, a, a tournament that they would do over a couple of weeks on TV. And what's great about the King of the Ring, and hopefully in this era, is that it gives matches just a little more something. You know, when we watch these really good matches week in and week out, I want them to have stakes, whether it be something small like a tournament like this, or a number one contenders, or a title shot, or something, just to make the match a little bit more so we actually care who wins and who loses. Here's what the... the Field of 16 looks like for the King of the Ring And then I'll, I'll go to uh, Darren And then I'll go to Brian Give me maybe who you think's going to win Or who you would like to win It's Cedric, Drew McIntyre, The Miz, Ricochet Ali, Kevin Owens, Chad Gable, Andrade Shelton Benjamin, Sami Zayn, Baron Corbin Apollo Cruz, Cesaro, Elias, Samoa Joe And Buddy Murphy That's your field for the King of the Ring And remember this was a, a tournament that Bret Hart, Owen Hart uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H, Kurt Angle all won throughout the year. So this was something that they used to use to kind of help put a rocket on someone's back. If they did that again, it would be great. What do you think of this field for the King of the Ring, Darren? A good field, a lot of good workers. Um, based on what's transpired and who's getting pushed and some of the things that happen, I'll say Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe final. Kevin Owens wins kind of playing off of what happened last week and maybe him and Shane continue butting heads where, you know, he's yelling, I'm the best of the world. And Kevin Owens is saying, yeah, but I'm the king in the ring and you know, blah, 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 well, that kind of thing. And the shirt, right? K O T R. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. a shirt right there? King of the ring. K O T R. I, I saw 100%. that somewhere else. I can't remember, but that sells itself. Somebody backstage at WWE has got to be thinking we can sell a bunch of shirts with K O as the king of the ring. What do you think Monzo? Sorry, I'm transitioning to this radio show that I do. Um, <laughs> but I'll give you a quick answer here. Uh, the field itself is uh, solid. 
the two things. I think I'm going to throw one out to you here. I think Andrade is going to win. I think they've set him up. Great. The, the sweep of Mysterio. They like, you know, obviously he's, uh, you know, involved with somebody that's of a higher echelon there in Charlotte. Um, his character is great. He can work. He's, you know, he, he uh, he's gets a good, you know, he gets a pretty solid reaction. And you got uh, Selena helping him. She could help him win any match with the cheating and the interference. And, the... and I also think that, like, you know, the, 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 for the most part, and I'm not talking about Bret Hart, but for the most part, what the King of the Ring tournament has done is taken somebody that is maybe in the middle of their career mm-hmm. and gives them that push. You know, Austin. Uh, you know, and even Owen. Owen, yeah. You know, Bret Hart, not so much. but um, Triple H wasn't a huge star when he won. Yeah, there was a lot of them, yeah. So I, I think that's where it makes the most sense. I don't think you, need, you know Kevin Owens doesn't need to win the game unless you're putting some kind of reward, like a, a championship match at the end of this. You know, if it's just to name, name the King of the Ring and then give them a, you know, regular, typical push. You know, it doesn't have to be one of your top guys. It has to be somebody you're trying to elevate. And what we've seen from Andrade the last couple of weeks, he may be the guy. Really good stuff, man. Brian Monzo, you can follow him uh, on Twitter. Um, unbelievable stuff, Brian. Let everybody know how we can get in touch with you if we uh, if we want to follow and talk some wrestling and uh, see what's going on at WFAN. Sure, text me, text me nine zero eight. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, B Monzo Radio on Twitter. Uh, hit me up anytime, anywhere, twenty four hours a day. I'll probably if you haven't muted you or blocked you, I'll check you out. Awesome, Brian. Thank you for your time. And Darren, uh, where can we find you? Twitter at the Track Seven. Uh, anything racing, baseball. You know, obviously wrestling. Uh, I always interact with people. Love the the back and forth. Love the conversation. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'll always be quick to respond. So definitely Guys, hit I, me up, Gino. I and, appreciate and Disney, it, by the way. Oh, oh and Disney too. Yeah, awesome. I really appreciate it, guys. This was a blast. I asked you for about 30 minutes. We went over, I think, like an hour and 10. So that I'll was have predictable, this, uh, though, wasn't it? It was. We knew that the three of us, especially <laughs> yeah, when I'm we're very talking. Very long-winded. So yeah, we all are. We all could just we could have sat here for a three or four hours. But by I really way, hour appreciate 13 it. And uh, 30 seconds. So. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Brian and uh, and Darren, you have a great one. And yeah. I'll be back with just a little bit more here on that's what G said. Hope you liked that interview with Brian Monzo and Darren Zocali. Make sure to follow them on social media. Really great follows if you like horse racing or uh, WWE or just sports in general. Great, great guys too. In the competition, the contest for the best wrestling movies, we ended up with 16. And right now the voting was just a couple hours left. It looks like the round of eight will be Vision Quest. Vision Quest has the lead right now over The Wizard. The, the new wrestler with Mickey Rourke has the lead in, in that matchup over Takedown. Man on the Moon has the, the lead in the matchup over Legendary. Paradise Alley and Win-Win. That one could still go either way. Ready to Rumble beating Foxcatcher. I think that's a little bit of an upset. Nacho Libre with the 60-40 win right now over Body Slam. That one could still maybe go either way. The old wrestler from 1974 against Reversal. The, uh, the wrestler has the lead And no holds barred Is beating Fighting with my family For the Current tournament The best wrestling movies Okay let's close things out We'll talk a little BH 90210 So the show got really good ratings Week 1 But it had a big drop Week 2, still actually got a decent rating But not nearly that massive rating that it had um, in week number 1 I actually thought 
that the the second week was a much better episode. And I think it's going to start to get a lot better and take shape. I understand if you think it's corny and don't like it, but I I actually like it. I think I I like the kind of the approach that they have while they're playing themselves in real life but basically playing the characters they played on the show. And now with the 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 storylines, things will start to get a little bit better. Uh, it opens with Jenny, she's having a nightmare. They're all back in high school, but they're as their current old selves in high school, and she wakes up. She's kind of sour and not sure about the reboot idea that that Tori has. She wants to reboot 90210. Jenny's daughter tells her to stop complaining. Jenny's daughter, we start to to meet her. She wants to be an actress now. She has a script she wants to audition for a role, and Jenny shoots her down. It's not till she's 18. She doesn't want her daughter to have to go through the same uh, issues that she went through. Tori and Jenny go to Fox to pitch the idea of the reboot. The reason being, their video from Vegas where they went um, crazy and Tori broke the glass and stole that dress got uh, got 5 million views in 24 hours. The Fox executives love the idea of the reboot. They've always been fans of 90210. But they assume that that Tori and Jenny have already talked to the rest of the crew and have got them on board for the reboot. So they want to do the show, but only with the full cast. So now Tori and Jenny have to go try to get everybody on board. Really, Tori has to get everybody on board. Next up, the the group has to go to the courthouse about their recent jailing, the incident in Vegas when they got out of hand. So they were charged with larceny, destruction of property, public urination, and public drunkenness. Get more of that fun Jenny and Jason interaction where they love hate each other. Tori, she's trying to to get everyone to, to join the show, so she wants to do everything she can to to appease people. So she tries to take responsibility for everything. She wants to get everyone on her side for the reboot. So she's going to get charged now in civil court By the person she stole from And she'll have to pay $100,000 in damages Everyone gets 50 hours of community service For what they did Tori tries to ask everyone about the show They all laugh They do not seem interested in doing a reboot She starts to beg Please guys I need this They all shoot her down Except Jenny so far who has agreed now Tori's at home, she's strategizing on how to get the rest of the cast on board Because she needs this show, she needs money Jason's at home with his wife She wants him to do the reboot She wants, she says, can you imagine Brandon and Kelly publicly back together? She thinks it would be a big help for his image You know, she's the publicist And she's very publicisty with him We kind of find out why She's got an affair going on And she's now getting blackmailed by an ex of hers Someone that she cheated on Jason with She walks outside of the house And this guy is like around their backyard And she has this real awkward interaction with him And then tells him to leave He basically tells her he's going to blackmail her If she doesn't help and, and give him Some of the connections that she has Brian who has got the, the bug To get back into acting now He's auditioning But he blows an audition And then he insults the script and the writers But he still ends up getting the job Because of his wife Shay, she promised that she would do a song So she basically got him this job Which pisses him off He wants to, to get back out there on his own He wants to, 
That's kind of why he wants to act again He wants to, to be out there on his own merit Not necessarily be in the, the shadow of his wife Everyone's ignoring Tori's calls As she keeps calling him and trying to get him to do the show Jenny's doing a little day drinking Tori then kind of realizes She's got all the Doing everything with her as a mom She's working, worrying about her kids But she realizes that she can manage And she she has a plan She wants to try to Give everyone a little something In order for them To agree So she talks with Jason And she offers him a, The chance to direct the pilot And now he seems much more interested Because he wants to direct Jason and Gabrielle are with uh, Gabby's granddaughter Jason asks Gabby to Pull some strings And to get that actor who punched him To, to lay off and to drop the charges She agrees to set up a meeting Between the two of them They're having a conversation He ends up telling her that he slept with Jenny She admits his, that, that she kissed a girl And that she's kind of been exploring these feelings For a while so they're able to share things with each other Maybe like they used to years back And they haven't really been able to have that person To, to share with But they, they of everyone seem like they have stuck close This wasn't a new feeling For, for Gabby But you know she likes She can't tell her husband I think she feels good about having uh, About having Jason there to talk to She wants to be true to herself But she doesn't want to hurt her husband's feelings Brian's upset with his wife Shay She got him the job he wants to do it on his own and not be a chump But he is a little too mad for someone Who's just trying to help Like she's not, she's just trying to help him Because she loves him, she seems so cool She really does Rich, singer, beautiful, sweet It's gotta be something up with her, right? She can't just be that perfect We see that random guy with Brian's ID again And he's like stalking them He's taking pictures of Brian and Shay He's putting up pictures and like a billboard all over Next up, the that actor kid that Jason punched, the one who was hating on Jason and said, "Oh, you're always going to be Brandon Walsh." He, in order to drop the charges, he wanted Jason to co-star in the show with him. So Jason's all dressed up like a superhero. They do a fight scene. Um, the kid cheap shots him and he kicks him in the, in the nuts right after. So they go to the doctor just to check and make sure everything's okay. Gabrielle's there. She sees it. She helps him. Jason says as she's helping him Jason says something to Gabrielle that that triggers feelings for her and it seems to hit home. He said this kid has some issues he needed to work them out though through his character. And that hits home to Gabby. So now she is thinking about maybe doing the reboot cuz maybe these feelings that she has for women and the, these feelings that she's had she can explore them through the character of Andrea. So Jason texts Tori now he's in for the reboot He's getting to direct Gabby texts Tori They start to talk She's in for the reboot But she wants to kind of be in charge of the character She wants to have Andrea explore her sexuality A more diverse cast And diverse crew So that's her Want For getting in the reboot Ian He's getting divorced now He got everything in the divorce from the cheating wife But one thing he wants is from Tori He wants Tori to be a partner with him on his new brand Health and Beauty Projects Next Gen by Ian and, and, and Tori She agrees Ian is in for the reboot He's all about his brand baby All about the brand Ian, Ian 
Brian d- uh, turned down the movie that he got a part in that Shay set him up for. But and after a drink with Tori, Brian is now in the reboot. Jenny, on the other hand, she's out. Her daughter, who she's been having fights with over this acting stuff, has just filed for emancipation. So Jenny decides that she's out right after Tori has gotten commitments from basically the rest of the crew except for Shannon. Tori has this weird dollhouse with all their dolls in it that she plays around with. And it's just creepy. Brian and Shannon seem like they've still kept in touch. They're good friends. They talk. He's asking her advice about work, about his love life. Uh, he tells her that Tori is trying to get a hold of her and Shannon says, "Oh, I got something to do." Doesn't seem very interested. Jason then goes to Jenny's to talk about why she's not doing the reboot. And he's really nice to her and really nice to her about her daughter. He gives her a big compliment. He says that she's going to be a great she's a great mom that her daughter will be in in good hands because of her. And now they decide that or Jenny really decides that she wants to have her daughter on the reboot. That way she can help her get into the world of acting, but she can also be there for her. And now we start to see the chemistry really with Jenny and Jason. Brandon and Kelly start to pick up They're all doing their community service They're picking trash out of Griffith Park And they're flirting Jason and Jenny He then tells her his wife is pregnant And she seems Really bothered Because I think she feels like they're, There's something with them They're getting back into something Tori stops them all to thank them About the uh, the Reboot and agreeing to do it And she wants She mentions how she wants to update 90210 She starts talking about what they should discuss for their pitch when they go into Fox so that they're all on the same team. Andrea is exploring her sexuality. Uh, they've hired a writer to help on uh, on 90210. Jason is the director. Tori is a producer. Ian wants to have some product placement for his brand's relaunch in. Then they start to get into a fight because Jason, who's the director, says, No way, this is my show. They all start arguing. We know that Jenny wants her daughter in it And then Ian makes a joke about Tori and nepotism And look how good that worked for Tori But Brian's the only one who actually has a real legitimate wish He said he wants everyone to be equal partners in, 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 Including the creativity They're out uh, when picking up trash And TMZ gets the pictures of all of them And those pictures get go viral And it gets good buzz as they go in for their meeting together at Fox But they don't have Shannon Tori makes an excuse about Shannon Not able to be here at the moment So Fox still thinks that Shannon's in And there's a new Executive Who's going to be running the show And be in charge of the day to day Of the the reboot Emily Valentine shows up And she seems like she's on board with all of their ideas Final Part of the show ends with uh, Jenny with her daughter she talks to her, she says she doesn't want to stand in her way And she gives her daughter the contract for a part On 90210, she says she's going to Prepare her and she's going to tell her Everything And she means everything Gabby's now back with her husband She's having a drink and she tells him she wants To do the reboot and she says she wants To do it because she's want, she's Always wanted to have you know, Andrea Explore her sexuality and then She goes on to tell him why this Is important to her, we don't see it But we hear her starting to tell him what happened, we think, and that she, you know, has feelings for women also. 
Shay apologizes to Brian for overstepping her with the with the audition. But she is just so damn cool. She loves him. She just wants to help him, and she's really happy that uh, that he's back and doing the reboot. And again, we see that weird guy. Is he somebody's illegitimate kid? Is he a crazy stalker? He's watching them again. Jason is getting ready to sit down to meet with the writer since he's going to be directing 90210. He wants to meet with the writer and, and, and talk about the direction of the show. What angles they're going to use And and kind of what storylines And how they're going to What's the approach And the guy that walks in and meets Jason He doesn't know We know as the audience It's the guy that was was messing around with Jason's wife Jason gets a call from the doctor He let, The doctor lets him know That after he got hit in the Got hit in the nuts That Jason has Some fertility issues Pre-existing fertility issues that he cannot Have a kid without medical help So now Jason's going What? My wife is pregnant And we Realize that it's not Jason's baby It's actually the baby of the man He's sitting right next to The man that he's supposed to work with as a writer The man who blackmailed Jason's wife Into getting him the job to begin with This is the soap opera Soap opera type stuff and I love it And I love it his wife was cheating Jason doesn't know though He sits down and he talks with the writer He doesn't know this is the guy The weird stalker kid Then applies to be Brian's assistant Since Brian knows he's going to be busy on 90210 He's going to need some help and an, an assistant And this kid is applying to be Brian's assistant The episode ends with each of them Getting a doll of them Sent to their house Those dolls that Tori was playing with before the 90210 character dolls Well Jason sent the doll of Brandon And they're each sent the doll of their character In a sick way Like they're like voodoo dolls And they're versions of them With barbed wire One with pins in them One with severed heads One with the removed limbs and blood all over They were creepy So now That's what I like about this show it's now we're starting to get into other things. Now we're going to get into the Jenny and her daughter relationship. We're getting into, you know, Brian and Shay a little bit more. We're getting into this creepy guy who's stalking them and who might be somebody's kid and who's trying to work with Brian. We're getting into the Jason and his wife are pregnant, but it's not Jason's kid, but he's going to have to work with the guy who impregnated his wife. And now Jason and Jenny. Are getting back into it We know that Tori has kind of got some feelings For Brian still underneath We see that Gabby's exploring Her sexuality So there's a lot of different stuff going on Which I like and I think once we continue to branch out Into these other storylines The show's going to get better and better So that's episode 2 of the 6 episodes That are out We'll go through and we'll recap all of the 6 When they come out uh, each week One at a time and then we'll see if the, the show Gets picked back up for more I sure hope so Going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said Folks, this was a long one Thank you for sticking with us all the way Make sure to get on over to iTunes, leave a nice 5 star rating And review with a little comment, those help Quite a bit, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on SoundCloud Get on over to Google Podcast Tune in, uh, Spreaker Anywhere that you listen to your podcast. make sure to look for That's What G Said and give us a Subscribe, thanks a lot folks Send it on over to Joey To close things out.